Camping the Night Away is coming up Thursday, October 5th at Cedar Ridge Winery and Distillery in Swisher. This annual Children's Cancer Connection event is one way you can support Camp Heart Connection camps offered free of charge to Iowa families affected by childhood cancer. Enjoy a camp-themed evening of food, drinks, games, auctions, and raffles, all for a great cause. Get tickets at childrenscancerconnection.org. That's childrenscancerconnection.org. Felt like we needed that, folks. We needed a, a feel-good 30 seconds before we start this, uh, whatever this is going to be. Uh, I don't know what this is going to be. 10.04 p.m. on, well, in the central time zone, and we are recapping. What are we recapping? Oh, yes. 31 nothing in Happy Valley. Despite the loss, I'm still pleased to be joined by none other than Coach Don Patterson. Don, you and I are proudly sporting the uh, Tiger Hawk polos on this very unhappy Saturday night. I really have no idea where to start. I feel like we may end up having a record crowd on this show tonight. I can tell you, Don, we're starting off combined with our two channels, just short of 450 people already on here in the first few minutes. So I can give you an idea, even though it's late on a Saturday night, we're coming off a 31 nothing beatdown. The passion with this fan base, the level of frustration with this fan base, and it's not that we haven't been here before, but was this an all-time low, at least in recent time? Yes. One word answer, yes. They flashed up a graphic late in the game, and as you're probably aware of, uh, the last shot at the Kirk suffered was in year one. So I think since then we've had 286 games in which we've scored, and tonight, uh, not so. It wasn't You know, we were not competitive at all. And um, it's a surprise to all of us. It's a surprise to the coaches, I can promise you. Uh, it, it should force um, every last player and coach to really do a little soul searching and ask that difficult question, what can I do better than what I'm doing now to help this team? And uh, if we don't get that that uh, result, then it will be wasted. And I don't I don't think it'll be wasted. Certainly, you know, the good news is we don't play anybody on our schedule that's as good as Penn State going forward. And as we talked about even a week or two ago, if we're going to lose a game, I'd rather it be to Penn State than to anyone else because, as you know, all we have to do is win in the West to be able to represent. And right now, of course, we don't feel very worthy to, of representing in Indianapolis, but maybe by the time December rolls around, we will. What does that mean, Don? Well, it means we have a lot of – a lot of examination, self-examination we have to do. We have to be honest, um, honest appraisal. Here's one thing I do. I did flash back on. Bill Brazier once famously said, you're never as good as you think you are, but you're never as bad as you think you are either. Well, right now we have a lot of players and maybe some coaches feel like we must be, you know, one of the worst teams in football, and, and we're not. Although at times tonight, we um, the outcome of the game would suggest we were. 
But we're not. There are any number of teams on our schedule that we can absolutely beat, starting with Michigan State next week. And one reason I'm confident in saying that is we're back in Kinnick. I know our fans are upset, and they have a right to be upset. But they're no more upset than our players and coaches. And um, by the time next Saturday rolls around, our fans will recognize we need we need their support. You know, we need to be there in large numbers to remind them all over again that we care about them and we we want to do what we can to help them to win football games. And that will all start a week from now. We'll get it done next Saturday night. I'd be willing to bet. Don, I have to be very careful with what I say this evening. Okay. Over the last year, I have been very firm on where I stand with a lot of things. And so I just want to make clear that, uh, first of all, people have not listened to my takes before. This is not me reacting in the moment. But but I'm going to say something that I know has been a common narrative out there for years. And you're, Don, you're in your 70s. All right. You, you, you've admitted to me that you're no spring chicken anymore, right? Yeah, I've got a younger mind than 72, though. Amen to that. But let me just say this, Don. This is, and, I, and I'm going to say some things tonight that may sound like I'm stating facts. They're really my opinions. You can correct them if you if you want. It's not going to offend me whatsoever. I'll start with this. This offense is antiquated. It's antiquated, right. Don. It, they're, listen, they upgraded at quarterback in the offseason. They did. I don't care what the narrative out there on Cade McNamara tonight is. I know what the stats say. I know what the stats say. And I'm not going to sit here and argue with anybody that's going to try to convince me that Cade McNamara is not a significant upgrade over Spencer Petrus. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm just not going to. I'd rather go to sleep. I'd rather go to bed. I'm not going to do that. But the fact of the matter is we saw no difference tonight. Now, this is a really good Penn State team, Don. Right. But we're going to get into the stats here in a little bit. But I, I have come to the conclusion. I know a lot of people will say, well, where have you been the last three years, Corey? This offense is ancient, it's antiquated, and I don't know that it can be done this way anymore, Don. I, I keep – Kirk and this staff wants to – they want to continue to convince us that you can win this way. And you can win eight to nine games uh, eight to nine games a year. But in order to compete at the level that Penn State is trying to compete at this year and that a lot of Iowa fans would, would love to compete at, they are not going to be able to do that with – this type of offense. I'm not talking about quality. I'm talking about scheme. And I don't know if the answer is you go spread or whatever. I know that everybody likes to fall back on that, but I believe this offense is antiquated. Tell me I'm wrong, Don. You're right. Uh, here's a quote from Gary Danielson. I have a lot of respect for Gary Danielson. He knows football. Used to be a quarterback for Purdue. You probably know that. And I quote, Iowa is too one-dimensional on offense. That's an accurate statement. Okay, what does that and mean? And by that, he doesn't mean he doesn't mean we only run the ball, we don't know how to throw it, or we only throw it, we don't know how to run it. He doesn't mean that. He just means one-dimensional with our thinking. So what is? I the, believe that's what. He, okay, so you're. I, I agree with you. Can you explain to me what what is the thinking with the Iowa offense? I'm not telling you it's obviously not working, but I want you to explain to me because you're a coach. You see what they're doing out there. Can you explain to me what they're trying to do? Can someone please explain to me what they're trying to do? 
because I'm I'm at a loss as to what even the plan is anymore on offense. Well, the plan is to never beat ourselves. Uh, the plan is to um, be really, really secure with the ball. The irony there, of course, is we got killed on turnovers tonight too. The plan is to to be sure that we have a chance to win with an outstanding kicking game and an outstanding defense and to be able to protect the ball on offense, take advantage. Let's just let's just summarize this for a lot of fans who have heard that before, Don. And I'm not saying that you're saying that you're endorsing that plan per se, but you're simply surmising what Iowa has said and what Kirk Ferentz has said over the years and how Iowa plays. But let's just simplify this for everybody. What you just got done saying, Don, is basically we don't really care about producing an offense. Is that basically what you're saying? It's really not a concern of ours. We just want the offense to stay out of the way of the defense and special teams. That's what it feels like. I can tell you from a fan's perspective, maybe not from a coach's perspective, Don. I'm telling you as, an, as a frustrated, upset fan this evening, that's what it feels like. It feels like we've been going here, we've been stuck in mud for a minimum of three years. Some would say 23 years, but three years, this offense has been what we saw this evening, okay? And it feels to me, it appears to me, exactly what you just said. Our goal is simply for the offense to stay out of the way of the two other units that are typically elite. And I believe the two other units are going to be just fine this year. Special teams made some bad mistakes today, as did the defense. But again, let's let's focus on the issues, the real program issues that are at hand here. And they're not with those two units. But the problem is, Don, this is my perspective. When you have a situation, and I go back to the Big Ten Championship game in 2021, to me, this was very. This is like the exact same game. In, in in many ways, it was the exact same game. Iowa comes out early, has a chance on a play to to take some momentum early. Remember the halfback throw to the end zone that was incomplete, and we complained right. about how we missed a field goal and everything flipped at that point. It ends up being a blowout, forty two to three. Same thing tonight. Eric Hall gets a first down in the end, red zone. You're feeling good. He fumbles the ball away. Penn State takes it, goes down, gets three points, at least a six point swing, maybe a ten point swing. At that point, right. you feel like we're treading water, but that's the problem. That This dam that this Iowa program is on right now that has been built by a solid foundation on defense and special teams is so darn fragile, Don, that if, well, if this... You've heard me say before, Corey, we don't have much margin for error. There's no margin for error. Right. You, you, you have... You have I, mean, I have people I have people ripping the defense on social media. This is exactly what people did last year. When things turn in, when when things happen like they did tonight, or you go back to the Ohio State game, another perfect example. How many games do we have losses like this, Don, that almost play out the same exact way? This is maybe, as far as the stats are concerned, an all-time bad performance. But go back to the Ohio State game last year. Remember, they were competitive in the first quarter of that game, largely because of a Joe Evans strip sack return for a touchdown. And the defense just held, held, held. And eventually you have so much water coming in that that dam just breaks. Right. And if the offense just absolutely gives you nothing, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> this I, is I can't recall. Corey, you know, I look at a lot of, a lot of um, final game stats. All 64 Big Ten games every year for the last eight years I've looked at. That's more than 500 I don't recall a game where one team had seven plays and the other had 33. I've never seen that. I'm sure I've never seen that in 500 games. 
in the bed over the last eight years. So it's obviously a case of one not being able to stay on the field. That would be our offense. And then our defense obviously had a damn near impossible time getting off the field. And you got to give credit to Penn State offense for that. I'm sure our, our defensive players and coaches would say we were not part of the solution. We were also part of the problem because our job is to get off the field. Our job is to stop drives. Tonight they didn't do that very well at all. Let me give you some. And that's uh, how you end up, end up with the blowout. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Let me let me give you some. Let me give everybody some stats. I'm not going to throw them up on the screen at this point. Maybe I will later. Um, let me give everybody some stats. If you if you miss these or you want a, a sad reminder of what we got this evening, let me see if I can find. Okay, here's the. Uh, did get the official box score now from Iowa. I'm sure they regrettably sent this out. So uh, for the game, Cade McNamara, Don, 5 of 14 for 42 yards. 42 passing yards. Uh, Iowa had three – let me get this right. Uh, two. Two receptions by wide receivers. Two receptions for for 18 yards. 14 of those yards came in garbage time on a slant to Deontay Vines with Iowa's second-string quarterback in the game. Caleb Brown is maybe the highest-rated receiver in Iowa in Kirk Ferentz's history here, at least from a recruiting standpoint. Don, he has zero catches through four games. Zero catches. And to my recollection, never more than two targets a game. Can, can you? I don't even. Can you explain that? Is there any way to explain that? Any way at all? Besides just saying he's young, which is what we hear a lot. He's young. Well, one one thing we haven't done, obviously, we haven't spent much time at all trying to figure out a way to get the ball in his arms. We did hand the ball to him a week ago on a. A wide run, you might recall. And he actually looked pretty good going around the edge of the defense. We made a first down on that play, you might recall. I think he ran for eight. But um, we haven't come up with good ways to get the ball to him, obviously. One obvious question that you might have is, was there ever a ball that was thrown more than 20 yards downfield by us at any time during the game? Did we, as we always refer to it, did we take a shot tonight? Was there a single shot that we attempted down the field? And I know what some people are going to say. Well, we can't take a shot because we can't protect long enough. You know what I'm going to say. Those are situations in which you keep a tight end in to help that tackle. And the guy covering the tight end is not going to be able to help on that receiver going down the field. Right? If it's man coverage. you still got isolated corners. You still got to be able to throw and catch, but at least you have a chance if you'll buy the quarterback enough time. And the other thing we do, and you're familiar with this term, we might also max the protection in that we keep the back end and we tell him, we don't want you out. Your job is to help the tackle. So you be there to um, however you want to do it. You've heard that term thud. You know, a lot of time you put you'll put a back up near the line of scrimmage, near the tackle. His job is to hit that edge rusher just to blunt the guy, not try to knock him 
knock the hell out of him because you might knock him off inside the tackle, but our tackles clearly need help. Those were not average pass rushers tonight, and they made us look foolish too many times to count. And it wasn't just it wasn't just our right tackle. It was also our left tackle. It was both tackles. I thought Ma- yeah, Mason Rick I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attack anybody personally tonight, but Mason Richmond did not look good on television. And maybe the, no. the game film will look better, but there's this perception that he's Iowa's best lineman. Well maybe that's between him and Logan Jones. He he did not look good on, on TV today. Right. From my perspective. Um Lemansky, that we had more trouble with the, the outside rushers than the inside rushers. Lemansky, thank you for the super chat. Hate it when we make Franklin look good. Well, yeah, I'm not a big James Franklin fan. D. Rolofson upside Michigan State next week. Nobody hurt. Brian way behind the 25 point goal confirms his lack of creativity with one time new play, the shuttle pass, which ended up resulting in a fumble. Right? That <laughs> was a well conceived directly, but that was a well conceived play. Um, too bad that it ended up as a fumble. Yeah. Yeah, that was a well-conceived Here's, play. You, my challenge to Brian, show me another well-conceived play. Yeah, why Why is it I've – this is another thought I had during the game, and I've heard other people call in and say this, but I'll just repeat that, regurgitate that, because I think it's fair based on what we saw tonight. It feels to me, Don, again, as a fan talking to a coach here, it feels to me that especially this year, and I go back to Iowa State, I go back to Utah State, I go back to – this game seems like we have like the first drive or two drawn up like we've got all these little wrinkles that we've figured out for the first couple of drives and they tend to work now tonight they didn't produce points because one of them was a fumble but you get two first downs on the first drive and how many first downs do they have for the rest of the game four the other two came in garbage time right two at the end so it seems like the first two drives are all orchestrated, and then after that, we have nothing. There's just We just go back to just, we have no idea what we're doing. Might as well just roll the dice. That's what it seems like to me, Don. That's a depressing thought. We we had zero first downs probably for about 40 consecutive minutes off the game clock. Wouldn't you imagine that's true? I think our first downs were in the first five minutes and the last five minutes, more or less. That would leave us with 50 minutes in between. I'm not sure, but I'm sure some sports writers are going to crunch the numbers and be able to tell us what our drought was without a first down. I know this is going to be depressing for a lot of people, but we're recapping the game. This is a post-game show. We need to run through some stats. So let me give you first quarter stats for Iowa, Don. Two first downs for Iowa. Five rushes for 30 yards with 36 passing yards. Not great numbers, but you can at least live with those numbers. You can live with that first quarter if you take away the fumble from Eric Hall. Right? Let's flash forward to the second quarter. Zero first downs, nine rushing yards, six passing downs. Or passing yards, excuse me, passing yards. Three total yards of offense in the second quarter. Three. Let's go to the third quarter. Zero first downs, nine total offensive yards. Nine. That's third quarter. And then we go to the fourth quarter. They had 22 total offensive yards in the fourth quarter. What's our total offense for the night then? Less than 100? 
Total offense for the night. Let's see. Receive. Let's see. 76, Don. Okay. 76 to 397. Well, it's kind of like I texted you during the game. I had a one word text. Incredible. Meaning it's incredible <laughs> yeah. that. I know. Then it can be so one sided. You know, somebody I was watching the game with tonight, and then we can get to our calls. Uh, D. Rollison, thank you for the super chat. He says, for 80, 850,000, Brian deserves to. Brian deserves to better call plays for all the guys who trust him. The tackles can't hold up, and no tight end for Richmond or G, or Dunker G's. Uh, thank you for the super chat, D. Rollison. And then, uh, Danimal, question for Don for a failing offense, what percentage of blame? falls on the OC, what percentage of blame falls on the players? I feel like we've had this question a number of times, but uh, Don, feel free to address it as you please. Well, I would like to think that that they share in the blame. Um, I think if it's anything, if, if, if they perceive it as anything other than that, then it's, it's not healthy going forward for us to do that. They have to, they have to own equally and, in our favor, and they have to assume that that um, they are as much to blame. The coaches are as much to blame as the players. The players are as much to blame as the coaches. How are we going to solve it if we're not all pulling together in the same way? So I would hope that they share the responsibility. That would be my answer. They they equally deserve blame for the way we played tonight. DC Hawkeye, I feel bad for the defense on the field most of the game. Most points scored against us in who knows how long. Sad. Well, they gave up 55, what, what 50 plus last year to Ohio State. Um, but a again, lot of short fields in that game, as I recall. Not a reflection of the defense. Not, not to say that they don't have things to clean up. You, you were absolutely right when you right. talked about not being able to get off the field at times. But, Don, at some point, aren't you going to get gassed? Isn't your defense just going to get absolutely worn down? You know, I couldn't help but. But notice, Corey, I swear to God, we didn't sub much at all tonight. I'm talking even D-line. I don't think the backup's got many reps, and I can understand it in a way because we need to put our best foot forward, and if our starters are a little better than our backups, the way the game was playing out, I can see there was some hesitancy to put in some backups. I don't think the backups played much at all on defense. We we had guys that commented during the game, I bet our two starting linebackers – Played ninety something snaps. I don't know if they were ever out, and they they hung in there as best they could, but they were clearly exhausted, and and part of that's on them, as as you know. I'm going to say they're responsible for, for finding a way to get off the field, and for that matter, um, we need to be sure we help them as best we can. Sometimes I'll say it this way, Corey. You've heard me say before: extreme situations call for extreme measures. And by that, I mean, on defense, if we can't get off the field, let's just use it as an example. Uh, if they're running the ball down our throat, then we have no choice but to load the box and take our chances outside one-on-one. I'm not talking about playing man-free. I'm talking about playing straight man coverage. You might have noticed tonight we actually brought our free safety a couple of times on a free safety blitz. I'm glad we did because we're trying to force the issue. We're trying to make a safety when they were down on the goal line. You remember that sequence of downs? Remember Xavier actually charging across the line of scrimmage? We're trying to create points. Uh, and I'm glad Phil did that. That's the right thing to do. Um, 
but the, the bottom line, of course, is you got to keep never take your thinking cap off because if whatever you're doing is not working, you got to try something else. And you don't just you don't just give up and surrender. You try to go down with your guns blazing, and that means extreme measures require extreme actions. And and the the same example I can give you relating to offense would be. Okay, Max, protect and send two receivers out. We got to try to make a big play. We got to give our quarterback time to do it. So if you need extra blockers, then for God's sakes, let's require people to block and go out with two receivers and and they're outside on the formation. And with a little bit of like, safe to say, how many people showed up and played cover two all night against us? Not very many. So in general, we do have one-on-one coverage outside. Is it hard to imagine, Corey? People aren't afraid to do it. Because we don't throw the ball that often to them anyway. Why would they? Why would they waste uh, coverage to cover guys that don't get the ball? Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. Uh, Larry, you got rain. It didn't help. You said you'd get turnovers. You didn't. You questioned Penn State's defense. Shut out. Stop res- disrespecting Penn State. I said I wouldn't be close. Aller was better than Cade by a mile. Thank you for the ten dollars. Appreciate that. Uh, let's I believe you been wearing white tonight. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Appreciate all of our super chats. By the way, uh, just a kudos to everybody for showing up. Please continue to share the show out. Be sure to hit the like button on social media, even though the game sucked. Post game show won't. Um, and we. We're at almost 1,100 live viewers as we speak right now, Don. So people want to hear from you. <laughs> they want a voice of reason in this very tumultuous, uh, during this very tumultuous evening. We're going to go to a few calls. We're going to try to keep the calls short and sweet, folks, because we've got a plethora of calls. We're expecting Tom Caker to jump on following the press conference with Kirk. So please forgive me if I cut you off a little early tonight. We've got a lot of people, a lot of things to get to. All right. Let's go. Corey, to I'll, I'll make an effort to keep my answers short. Let's go to Logan, who's been on hold. Logan, welcome to the show. Hi, can you guys hear me? We can hear you loud and clear, sir. Great. Yeah, I just want to say uh, I've been watching your guys' show forever. Uh, big fans, love all the takes. So, with that, um, I guess the first thing I wanted to say was, you know, Corey, you can speak on this as well, but uh, Coach Patterson. Do you think that if we had a change at OC, do you think it would, in the end, still be the same offense? Like, Do you think Kirk runs it overall, or do you think it would be different? Did he ask you, Corey? No, he didn't. No, he didn't? No, I don't think so. Logan, who, who do you want to hear from, me or Coach? Uh, any, any of you. I'll give you my opinion. I think in large part it would be very similar. Um, I think it would be in large part very similar, Don. It would depend on Kirk's marching orders to the next OC, obviously. I would like to think Kirk would say, I'm going to give you um, a lot of responsibility in running this offense. I don't want you to worry about whether or not I'm going to second-guess you. That's why I've hired you is to upgrade the offense. And I don't know if that'll ever happen, of course, but I would like to think that's the way the conversation would play. Okay. Well, that leads me into my next thing. I guess I don't, I, I, I probably am with 
Corey here just I I can't see much much change happening and I've I've kind of thought I you know I've been alive uh and Kirk's been the coach my whole life so like you know I I love Kirk wish well on everything he does but I've been saying this for years I I'm just ready to see someone new because everyone says you know fire Brian Ference Brian this Brian that which I agree with but I, I just think at the end of the day, it all leads to Kirk, and we're never going to see true offensive change till, till he's gone. And, and I'm not saying that as a total diss on Kirk. Again, I love him. Um, I, I'm, just, I'm just ready to see something new overall. That's, that's me. Logan, I, 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 nothing you just said is offensive, in my opinion, at all. Nothing you said is offensive. It's your opinion. It was respectful. You... Um, expressed exactly what I've expressed as it relates to admiration for Kirk Ferentz, what he's done as a coach, who he is as a person. Don, you'll never say anything bad about Kirk Ferentz as a person. Um, he's one of the finest men I know. Absolutely. And um, But your opinion, Logan, you're not alone in that opinion. There's a lot of people that feel the same way as you. Um, now, we have to understand not to push the panic button in the moment. This is a bad, bad night. Um but you're, you're right. Like you said, you, you you have felt this for a while. There are other people who share your opinion. So anything else, Logan? Um, anything cool or no? Uh, I, th- I think that's, you know, I, I could say a lot more, but let's I'll keep it logical with, with that. And I'll let someone else hop on. So thanks for uh, answering. Thanks, Logan. Appreciate the phone call. All right. Uh, we've got, I believe, our uh, own Tom Kakert of HawkeyeReport.com. Let's welcome Tom in. Tom? Hey guys, how are you? Good. Hi, John. How are you? How's rainy Happy Valley? Uh, it's still rainy. Um, it's still gloomy here. I almost, it's not as gloomy as the Iowa offense was tonight. I'll say that. I'm just gonna I'm gonna open the 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 door for you, Tom. Um, sure. What what on earth did Kirk Ferentz say during this press conference? Um, kind of what you. Th- would think he would say and it's basically you got to put this one behind you um you know he felt like they were in it at 10 nothing at the half and then they got a a big drive long drive scoring drive uh to open the second half and i think that was deflating and then the turnovers just started and kept going and from that point on it was just they couldn't get off the field defensively and couldn't stay on the field offensively and that is a terrifically bad combination uh, for any football team if you can't get off the field on defense and can't stay on the field. And hey, they went basically like two quarters without a first down tonight. And you can't win football games if you can't stay on the field. And they just, they couldn't. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, I, I think he got asked about the offense. And coach, you can probably speak to this better than anybody, but you know, it's like he, you can't go out and change your offense next week. It's just, it's not something you can do. Um, so he's basically telling everybody and to keep doing what we do. Um, Cade was interesting. He's, he's pretty confident. He, in fact, Cade went out there and said he feels like if they got another shot at Penn State that they would beat him. He'd almost like guarantee that they would beat him. Yeah, so. kids delusional at this point, then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just hey, he's got you can't you can't uh, you can't deny the 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 confidence, right, Coach? 
You want your the eternal optimist. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, Tom, I anyway. made the comment. You know, I've done analytics over the last eight years, 64 games every year, right, except for the COVID, COVID season. So that's about, eight, about 500 Big Ten games. I can never remember a game where the disparity on plays was 97 yeah. to 33. I've never – I'm pretty sure that's never happened. Yeah. That kind of spread is almost unheard of. It's unbelievable when you think about it, isn't it? It's almost like it's unfathomable that it could be that one-sided, um, and yet here we are. And it was just the the worst combination that the, the the defense could not get off the field, and the offense could not get a first down. And then and you had you know the the horrific play in the first half was the the punt going off Dace Fernandez's back. Um, right. You know that. How, what do you do? I mean, you just got to trot back out there, and then Cade's out there for one play and uh, gets strip sacked. I think it was one play, one or two plays, and then gets stripped and loses the ball, and you're back out there again. I mean, it's they couldn't get out of their own way, and it was that that snowball that just went downhill, and it kept growing and growing and growing, and they could not stop it. And um, and they're making mistakes on defense too. I mean, they just are. And um, they've got to fix that. But you can't win if you don't score. And that's the bigger issue right now that they've got to respond to. This felt like Ohio State last year. But um, I also think about the, the Wisconsin game where Josh Jackson had two interceptions the week after they beat Ohio State. And then they went up there and had 66 yards of total offense. And they had 66 yards of offense in the first quarter, and it went negative for most of the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, and that's hard to do. No first downs, just they couldn't, um, you know, and they fell behind by so much, they couldn't, um, you had to abandon the run game. Didn't go to that. You just had to try and throw it. And it's just... It's hard for them to be a throwing team. They've got it. They're they're not a come from behind team. I don't think this team is going to be good playing from behind this year. Just they just aren't built that way. Right. What are they built for, Tom? They got to play from ahead. They got. I mean, what what Penn State did to Iowa tonight was what Iowa has consistently done to everybody else in the Big Ten for years and years and years, which is capitalize on mistakes, force mistakes, force turnovers. Um, you know, we'll look back at the Iowa State game a couple of years ago where the ball, ball, the punt goes off, the, the Iowa State guy runs into his own guy and they recover that. That's what, the first thing I thought of when that ball went off the East Fernandez's back. I was like, oh, this is shades of Iowa State, only the other direction. Um, they would get those strip sacks and fumble recoveries and um, you know, I how about like that, the, the muffed punt that was deep in Penn State territory where the Penn State guy recovers it. Um, Some nights you cannot buy a break. Yep. When I was going right. You make the uh, my wife. Usually when you muff a punt, you lose possession of the ball, but not that time. Yep. When, usually when that happens, Cade Ma- or, uh, um, Degene will scoop that ball up and run into the end zone, and he couldn't get right. there in time. And it's just, that's, you know, you're just living wrong that night. And, uh, you know, it's like going to the blackjack table and you keep handing them $100 bills. And, um, 
sometimes you just got to, it's just not your night and you should just walk away from the table, right? Yeah, you think your luck's going to turn and it doesn't. It doesn't. You can't keep spending money and hope that luck turns. It's just some nights it's not there and tonight is not that night. Now, does this mean, and I know fans are frustrated. I get it. Um, there's, you can't explain this one away. Nobody's going to polish this one up and tell you it was uh, filet mignon. You know, it just, it's not. It's, uh, but the team can't dwell on it at this point. They've got to just kind of move forward and figure out, um, because if, if they let this one stick with them, they're going to lose to Michigan State next week and they'll lose to Purdue the week after. And they have to look at it like it's one loss. You come back, maybe you get to, you, you win your next two games, you're at home and you're going to Wisconsin five and one. Right. You know, and that's how you have to look at it. You can't, and, and I know people are fire Brian, fire Kerr, fire everybody, fire George Barnett's. Those things aren't going to happen. Just not. So um, you got to, <laughs> as frustrating as that is, and as as much as I think some people want us in the media to force Kirk to change, Kirk is not going to change. This is Kirk's offense, you know, and he's going to run it the way he sees fit. And, and I always tell people, um, by and large, it has been successful the way he's run this program. He is, you know, uh, won 200 games coaching football and uh, you know he's he's won a lot more than he's lost i know that and so we'll you know they've but they've got to figure something out to get the I, I don't think it's just losing luke lachey i don't think it's just losing and having leash on uh, uh, or having uh caleb out and having uh jazz out i, I think it's more than that so yeah they've got to figure it out I was just going to say real, real quick, Tom, I'm just curious to get your take. What do you say as a, as a writer who's been covering uh -huh. Kirk Ferentz in this program for two decades? Yeah. Plus, what do you say to fans like our, our front? I don't know if you heard the first caller that called in who say I did. very respectfully, look, I love Kirk as a person. I'm ready to move on. I'm tired of this. You know what? You know what? I, I, I coined a phrase many years ago about folks like that. And I totally understand them. Totally. I mean, I get what they're coming from. Um, I called it Ferentz fatigue, which is just that he's been there for so long and, you know, you kind of want something different and I get it. I do. Um, you know, uh, but that's Kirk's decision to make. That's, um, Beth gets his decision to make. Um, th those are the folks that make that decision on, him continuing as the coach. I don't know, you know, what happens with, with Brian. I don't know that if somebody else was calling plays that it would be a whole lot different because it's Kirk has a philosophy as, as coach Patterson will tell you, he has a philosophy that he, that he abides to. Um, will he, will it work? I don't know. Um, but it's worked in large part in the past and, when they hit these spots, they usually bounce back pretty well from them. So we'll see uh, if, if that will be the case this year or not. But I don't know, guys. I don't have a lot of answers tonight. <laughs> well, just real quick, I was, was going to make, make this comment. Uh, it wasn't the last time they went out to Happy Valley and lost, but the last time they went out to Happy Valley and got their butts kicked. Does anybody remember what would happen the next week? I'm sure you do. Both of you probably do, Tom. 
Was that the they beat Michigan? That was the 2016 Michigan yeah. upset in Kinnick. So yeah. you're, you're right about bouncing back. Um, I don't really know how much to even dwell on the the macro of all this because the conversations about what should happen with Brian and what should happen with Kirk. You're, you're right. Tom. Those are those are not conversations that are even worth being had on September 23rd, 2023. Well, you can't. <laughs> you, they're not going to. He's not going to go fire Brian. It's just not. Brian's <laughs> no. not going to quit. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I think people think that that's, it's not going to happen, but, um, will this make them better? Maybe, um, we'll see what happens, but, uh, I, I guess the, the positive, if you want a positive, I don't know that it could get any worse, <laughs> right? I don't well, think it can get any worse. You say that only because Michigan is not on our schedule and maybe Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Watch watch this team make it to Indianapolis, Don. What do you think? <laughs> it better be a different version than what we saw tonight, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, they, can't, you know. they can't blame they can't go blame Spencer Petrus tonight. <laughs> no. No. And I think uh, a lot of the frustration here, we got about 1,200 people watching live right now at you know, cool. almost 11 p.m. Hey. Iowa time, Tom. And I think a lot of that frustration comes back to some of the changes that were made in the offseason, specifically uh-huh. a quarterback. And then you look at a stat line of Kate McNamara this evening. He goes 5 of 14 yeah. for like 43 yards. And he's had two weeks where he's been below 50% completion, two weeks in a row. And we've the one thing we've said about the offensive line to this point is, well, they look better in pass protection. Not anymore. Uh, not no, tonight. not tonight. So um, a lot of fans feel like we're right back where we were a year ago, and I'm not saying we are, but I'm just saying that's yeah. I, that's I can tell. That's how a lot of fans feel right now, and they feel it's like a, it's fair to feel that way. It's totally fair to feel that way because yeah. they got they got whooped tonight. The offensive line got whooped tonight, and um, and they know it, and they know they got to get better. Uh, now the task is, can they get better? Because they got they got manhandled by Penn State. Penn State's really good. That's a top ten team, and this I, I I can't say enough about the atmosphere here tonight. It was electric. I mean, it was it was wild, and the fans were into it, and they were passionate, and they were fired up, and they were ready to go. And um, the team matched it, and Iowa couldn't match it. That's that's the bottom line. I know nobody's going to take any solace in this, but it d- didn't look like there were any significant injuries on the Iowa side. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. Kirk um, did say that Cade had some cramping in his hand, and that's why they took him out and put Deacon Hill in. But other than that, um, I think they came out of this healthy. So I guess that's a positive. be interesting to see if they can get um, Jazz Patterson back. I don't know if Caleb will be back next week or not because he was – He's dealing with the high ankle, and that usually takes a month. So we'll see if he can if he can get back. And obviously, Luke Lachey is done for the year. So you know the Calvary's not coming. You gotta you gotta go out and this guy's gotta get better. It is ironic that the last time and I, I I said during the game tonight, I said, "Man, this feels like 2018. It's raining. You've got Cade McNamara dealing with a finger issue, just like Nate Stanley was in 2018." Um. And now, ironically enough, you flash back to 2016, you get pounded, 
and they follow it up the next week, they get a night game at Kinnick. I mean, it's the exact yeah. same scenario against a Michigan team, <laughs> a different Michigan team yeah. in a much different place in Michigan State. It's not a very good Michigan State team, but uh, be interested to see the, uh, the crowd turnout. I'm sure it'll be packed. I mean, it's sold out. Yeah, sold out. People, People will show, show up. up. People will show up. Yep. Tom, uh, appreciate you taking the time. Safe travels back. Thanks for having me on, guys. Happy Valley. Yep, and we'll talk to you when you get back to Iowa. Yes. Okay, we'll talk to you guys. Thanks for Thanks, having Tom. me on. And we'll appreciate it. Check out Tom Caker to HawkeyeReport.com, folks. Uh, post-game coverage uh, around the clock and coverage throughout the week over at On3. Again, HawkeyeReport.com and follow Tom at HawkeyeReport on Twitter. I'm just going to say this right away, Don. we got about 1,200 people who are watching right now. I don't have a full – we do not have a staff of people who are working the chat. I, I can't keep up with the people. There's no way – we're going to miss all kinds of questions, probably really good questions. I apologize in advance. Uh, I simply cannot handle it all. If you have a specific question you really want to get to coach tonight, please call in via StreamYard, okay? I'll throw the line, the, the link in the, uh, the chat again. Uh, I threw it up in the description. It is in the description. Um, but uh, that would be the most efficient way to get in touch with myself or coach this evening because the chat's just insane, and uh, we're, we're going to have to race through our callers relatively quickly, like I said earlier. Erica, uh, with the Super Chat, and Super Chat also works, by the way, because it gets, gets starred in the corner of my screen. She says, anyone who says this is because of the defense doesn't know ball. They were on the field for almost the entire game, so of course they're going to get tired. Well, it's kind of a common sense take, Don, but I'd say a relatively reasonable common sense take. Um, I know you you made some criticisms of the defense, but again, when uh, when your offense creates two first downs for, well, basically zero first downs from midway through the first quarter to midway through the fourth quarter, zero first downs in there, the defense is on the field the entire game. That is almost a fact. Right. Time of possession. Uh, what was the final time of possession, Don? Do we have that number? Um, I think it was 47 minutes to 12 minutes, wasn't it? 45.30 to 14.30. Okay. Have you ever seen anything like that? Not that I can remember. Eric, uh, this is Eric B. He says, anything I can say has been said to this point. Action is what is needed. What actions, short of staff and scheme changes, can get Iowa consistently competitive against top teams? That's a question, Don. And do you have an answer to that? This goes back to what I said earlier. Is it possible to succeed at the level that Penn State appears to be at with the same scheme and offensive approach? Is that possible? The same offensive approach, you said? Yes. Um, I don't know that it is possible. <clears throat> You've heard me say before, and, and this is about as politely as I can say it. Part of our problem is that we're too easy to defend, and when you don't imagine with our we don't run enough plays, if you will. Is it hard to imagine that? Why middle screen is a hard play to run now because people know that's something that's a comfort level we have. But tonight, when we tried that, that wasn't going to work either because they 
halfway expected it, I think. It was third and long. We thought it was a safe way to try to pick up a first down. Well, I'm pretty sure they had an idea that that's one of the one of the plays that might show up, and they defended it well. So it may sound crazy, but I'm convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt, and it's not just not just the 80s and the 90s with Coach Fry. It also ties into the success we had at Western Illinois. And one reason we were successful is because we were hard to defend because we did more game planning than the average team. And we showed up with plays that they'd never seen, which made it more difficult for them to defend us. Now, that's going to require a lot of work. Believe me, it requires a lot of work and a lot of imagination. And right now, as respectfully as I can say it, our offense doesn't reflect that much imagination. Is it sad to say, or is it accurate to say that uh, even though in all reality, a coach would never look at it this way, but again, as a fan, I agree with this user in the chat who says when Eric all fumbled the ball, that was the game killer. It almost felt like the game was over. Isn't that sad? Now, I don't know. In reality, the game was not over at that point, Don. But you just felt like that is the margin. We talked about margin for error and how thin it is when you play this way. And I said it pregame, Don, and I told you my three keys, and I think for in large part you agreed with my keys. I said, you got to win a battle of discipline. you got to win on turnovers, and you got to win on penalties. Well, Iowa was minus three in turnovers tonight. They got beat by 31. That's it. You, you, you like, they don't have, they do not have anything offensively to overcome errors. Like, for this offense to be proficient, it has to play a perfectly clean game. And like we keep talking about, completely stay out of the way of the defense. And that's what we view as Iowa fans as proficiency. That's not what the rest of college football, that's not how the rest of college football looks at offense, Don. The rest of college football looks at offense as a means to score points, which is the whole point of football. And I just, I don't know, man. I I, I feel like I'm going crazy. Uh, We got to get to our, go ahead, Don, if you had something to add. I was definitely going to state this. I'm just thinking back in general. If you go back and look at the 80s and the 90s, there were times for sure when the offense bailed out the defense. Uh, and there were other times, of course, where the defense saved our, saved our skins. And and that's complimentary football. You don't always have to rely on the same unit to somehow help us engineer a win. You know, sometimes the offense picks up the defense. Sometimes the defense picks up the offense. Sometimes the kicking game saves the day. I've always – you've heard me say this, Corey. There are three games within one. It's our offense versus their D, our D versus their O, and it's then kicking game versus kicking game. You win two, two out of three, you win the game. In most cases, you win the game. Well, we I guess you have to say we lost at least two out of three. Well, who are we kidding? We lost all three. We lost all three matchups tonight. And that's when you get a one-sided game. we got to get to the phone line because the first time ever our phone line is full, our stream yard queue is full, and the system can't take any more callers. So let's get to our – we're going to run through these callers. Like I said, I'm going to be short and sweet with everybody tonight. Start with Ryan. Ryan, welcome. Good evening, gentlemen. Um, you know, I looked up the Illinois uh, box score from last week against Penn State. They had 354 yards against this defense. 
13 points. What that tells me is they were at least able to sustain some drives. I think we probably lead the nation in three and outs. Um, and, and, and it's just, granted, you know, Franklin was out to humiliate us, given how many times he went on fourth down, but it worked for him. I get it. Um, well, they were all fourth and they were all fourth and short. What do you? I mean, well, fourth and two, he could have kicked a field goal. He got them all. He made them all. I know, I know, he did. But that tells me he was out to humiliate us too, and he succeeded swimmingly. Well, th- no, hold on a second. There's a difference between being out to humiliate someone and actually playing to win a football game. No, um, they. Well, I'm, talking you know, when, listen, I'm talking when they long won the game. Right. But Long Ryan, you're an Iowa way. fan. I know this is a new concept to you as an Iowa fan, but there are some. You're coaches. on the six yard line up 24 with what? 10 minutes to go. You can easily kick a field goal, a chip shot, and you go for it. That is a difference between that and, hey, it's fourth and one, and I like my chances. I'm in the second quarter in a one two score game. He, I will we, say this. When it was 31-zip at the end of the game, they had a bunch of twos. They were letting the clock go down before they snapped the ball, and they were not going to any extreme measures to try to score. Well, he didn't pass at the very end, but I feel that's more than Iowa can. That's more. Listen, that's more than we can say for Iowa's offense last week. Go ahead. Well, Ryan. yeah, I know, and that's because of the stupid contract that the former AD put out there. A couple real quick, one quick point and one quick question. It became really apparent to me, you know, I I know you guys heard this phrase from, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, bullies of the Big Ten. We're probably the matadors of the Big Ten when it comes to um, our toughness, especially up front. Uh, We got completely worked. I agree with everything you guys said. Losing Chris Doyle, I think, is really showing up now. We just do not have the toughness up front that we used to have and then my question for you guys and i know i don't even know if beth gets has the authority but and i don't think brian's the only problem but if she just came into the office tomorrow and said brian you're gone would kirk be gone right behind her or i think so too um, I don't think it'll happen, obviously, but, you know, this is one of the reasons why I guess I don't I, – I agree. We have a great path to get to Indy. I'm not that excited about it. Why? I don't want another humiliation on national television like we did against Michigan 39 points a couple of years ago. Um, you know, you guys already mentioned the Wisconsin games where we couldn't get 100 yards. Whenever we seem to play an upper echelon defense, we are lucky to get 100 yards. We, we, we've seen this movie several times, not even quite to the extent of today, but we've seen this movie. And the thing, the thing is, is you know, I referenced Illinois. They still got 354 yards in a losing effort, obviously, but they at least could drive the ball against an excellent defense. Why can't we? In my opinion, we're certainly a notch above them uh, as, as a program as a whole, but yet why is it 
pulling teeth to get 300 yards offense against a good team. If we could do that, we, with our defense and special teams clicking, the sky's the limit. But for some reason, it's just accepted that we're going to be crap on offense, no imagination whatsoever. Caleb Brown might as well find another school to go to where somebody will at least give him a look. It's really frustrating. It is so frustrating. It's embarrassing. And you got to think on national television, this is not going to help recruiting playing like this. Thank you guys. Thanks, Ryan. Well, fair. Yeah. I mean, again, that sums up the frustration from, from Iowa fans. Uh, and as people get done here, I'm going to, throw them out of the studio so we can let more people in let's go to our next caller alex welcome to the show alex good, good evening gentlemen how are how are you guys doing okay okay so um i'll go quick you you said it earlier uh cory mason richmond looked like a freshman that chop robinson is a really good defensive end you know he's got some nfl talent but man it was just it, every it, four or five times he was just getting beat and Logan Jones, uh, you know, the center was everyone's saying like how strong he is. There was a lot of times he was just getting pushed backwards. And I know that a lot of that's kind of leverage in po- at some points, but it, you know, it's like this. So, um, you know, and you already touched on 45 minutes to 15 minutes of possession. You know, that's just, I mean, you can kind of see it near the end of the game defense. I mean, the tackling looks so bad near the end of the game because it was just, there was just gas. Um, and so, um, and then I'll say a couple more things, and then I want to. I have a couple questions. So I hope you can answer. Um, Don and uh, you had said that the fans are upset. You know, at the very start of the show, you said the fans are upset, and rightfully so. And you know, the players are upset too. But I think where fans come from is that we know what the problem is. It's it's the offense. It's our offense is terrible, and the problem was we had the we had an off season to fix it. It's like you go to the doctor and say, doctor, my knee, my knee hurts. And he looks at your elbow. He gives you medicine for your elbow. And it's like, well, that wasn't the problem. It's, you know, I, and I understand Tom Caker said, you know, Kurt's not going to fire Brian. Well, Kurt can't fire Brian because, you know, due to nepotism, Beth is the only one that can. Will it happen? No. Uh, you know, as much as I would love to have Brian and even George Barnett hitting her offense and say, you both are gone. You know, George Barnett's been with this program for three years. We've had his poor offensive line play for the past three years. I get it in college. You get a couple of years to get your players in. You recruit certain players. You get them in, get them set in your scheme. And then if it doesn't hit, then, okay, hey, this probably isn't going to work out. This is what, year eight for Brian, year three for George Barnett. It's time to cut cut the losses. You know, I don't care if at the end of the season we hit 11 games, win 11 games, go to the Big Ten Championship. Ryan said it too. I don't want another embarrassment. This wasn't an absolute embarrassment, and it's going to hurt recruiting. When this contract came out, it, 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 Iowa became a punchline. It became a, the butt of all the jokes. You know, and there was a fake um, AI someone did of Dabo Sweeney saying, oh, if you get paired, compared to a Brian offense, offense, you're having a bad time. It was a fake. Someone made it fake with AI, which – I mean, it looked real, kind of like how what Brian had said earlier last week, if you saw that one, Corey. Um, yeah. So, so um, 
But real quick, can I, can I just say something real quick to interject? Yeah, I know. I, I'm just going quick to kind of get through fine. this. I know, and I'll, and I'll let you finish, but I just want to real quick. You, you you brought up how we all know what the problem is. It's the offense. I don't know that – like, Kirk is not dumb, okay? He, he's not dumb. He understands that the offense has not been good. Then why keep Ryan? Why, and, keep Tom, and Tom Caker said – He's, he's not going to change. Okay, so that's a problem. You either adapt and you survive and you and everything, or you would, or you don't change and you die off. Kirk is being stubborn. He's trying to win in a certain way that hasn't been relevant for years. Now, and I think you can win that way. You just got the right personnel. We don't have that personnel. Well, that but no, no. Hold on. What does that mean? What does that mean? We need the right personnel. Who are the right so, personnel? So the right personnel is we have the offensive line is terrible. So that's the, so you have wrong personnel there. The the offensive line has not been good. Now is it players or is it player development? Are we recruiting the right players to get to the offensive line? Well, either our offensive line is that we don't have the right players, either they're undersized, or the coach that's supposed to be developing these players are is not doing their job. So in terms of personnel, you'd be talking players, you could be talking coaches. So either way, the, we don't have the right personnel and what and specifically one or both sets of either offensive line or the coach. Same thing with the offensive play calling. Um, one thing I noted, LaShawn Williams was the only one that got carries tonight outside of garbage time when we saw um I always forget his name, Washington and Moulton. You know, I would like to see and I get maybe big time you know, environments, you don't want freshmen tend to, you know, ha- tend to make more mistakes because it's a brand new thing. It's a big environment, big game. And I get it, but it kind of goes back to the thing of Kirk not wanting to change. Well, we're, we live in a day and age now where you got to play some of these freshmen, you know, you can't sit freshmen for two, two, three years and say, okay, Hey, Hey, young buck, you, you finally get your chance. They're going to look around and go, well, I go play at, you know, Kansas State, you know, starting off. So, you know, peace out. I'm leaving. So, and, and I get Kirk has attacked the portal. He got Cade. He got Eric All. Some of that is due to NIL. I get that. He got Seth Anderson. He came from the FCS ranks. And I think other, te- I don't know how many other teams were on Seth Anderson at that point. You know, and I think Seth Anderson could be a good piece. But the problem is, is that this Iowa's offense is so, you know, quote unquote, old school that it's like he's going to look around and it's like, was this really the right place for me? And it sucks too because if this is – and this kind of goes back to what Ryan said. This was an, this was an embarrassment, and it's going to hurt recruiting. Offensive players are going to look, look at this and go, why would I want to go play for that team? Iowa used to be a team where you, outside of – you know we could produce a lot of good offensive linemen, and now we have fallen way off of that. I, I can't even tell you – Outside of, you know, like one or two people here or there, like, you know, Tyler Lindebaum. I think you brought it up, Corey, where Iowa's offensive line has not been, like, as a unit, totally great. We've had great pieces. Tyler Lindebaum, um, uh, Tristan Worfs, you know, just to name a couple that have been really great players. But as a whole offensive unit, we like line unit, we have not been to that, like, what that Iowa standard. Um, and then I know I rambled on and you guys can kind of see how you kind of piece all that out. Um, so the two questions I have for you guys, um, one is that fourth down uh, play. 
Corey, you had mentioned it on the halftime when you did your halftime. Um, I think Kirk should challenge that. You 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 can't really see where the ball is, but you can kind of get a great idea of where it was at because you know um, Allers got it tucked in, so you can kind of predict where the nose of the ball is, and he was short. And then the other question is, so the question is, this, you know, maybe Coach can answer that on this one. Should he have challenged? And then the second one, on kickoffs, uh, Weijin fair caught all fair catches. There was one he was standing on the five-yard line, and he fair caught it. Well, first of all, that, I, that I was some completely surprised by. Can, because we, can we be clear? He's being told to do that. I know, but why? He's one of our fastest players. That that's a great that's the question I have is why are we telling him the fair catch when we need a play, you know, like hey, we need to all kind of pull out all the stops because this is a really good Penn State team. You know, we need to, you know, kind of make our own magic at this point. Why fair catch it? So I'm gonna leave you with Yep. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. Don, that's a good can you address the kickoff, the fair catch and the kickoffs the whole game? I will admit early on in the game I was surprised that we never attempted uh, to return a kick. Uh, as of course, first thing I have is Penn State must be right among the tops in the Big Ten at covering kicks. That may be true, uh, but I don't know that that's true. And let's face it, we need, you know, we need some kind of shot of enthusiasm, you know, some kind of big play somehow, some way. Uh, and as we do know, Weijin has speed. Uh, he's got the right idea of how to return kicks. He takes the ball and he runs um, with an aggressive attitude in returning kicks. He's had some good kick returns. I found myself thinking, um, I'll, I'll look at it like this. If you never return one, it kind of sets a bad tone for the offense in the, um, you know, obviously it's not an aggressive decision on your part to fair catch another, another kickoff. And, and let's face it. Is it hard to imagine that none of those, none of those eleven starters on defense were out there covering kickoffs? Those are backup players, right? In almost every case, I'm sure they're backup players. Maybe it does present an opportunity to return a kick, because let's face it, at least, at least they're spread across the field as they cover, and if you can create a seam, of course, you do have a chance to bust a big play, and we needed a big play in the worst way. So, I will admit, as the game played out, I kept being hopeful that we were going to try to return a kickoff. And and uh, we didn't. And maybe that was the – what we don't know, of course, is how effective Penn State's been in covering kicks. Well, we, we do need to give a quick plug to our sponsor, Iowa Smokehouse. Uh, boy, that beer is probably looking pretty good for a lot of people out in Hawkeye Nation tonight. But uh, how about their awesome snacks? If you want a better quality snack for game day or any day, we've got a lot of NFL football going on tomorrow. Check out what they have at iowasmokehouse.com. They offer a full lineup sure to satisfy you and your family's snacking needs. Their cuts of beef jerky, their meat sticks, their steak bites, even their ketchups, barbecue sauces, and salsas. It's all great. Visit iowasmokehouse.com and use the code HAWKEYES for 15% off your order. Again, that's the code HAWKEYES for 15% off your total order, and you'll get free shipping when you purchase $50 or more, courtesy of Iowa Smokehouse and Brad Van Meter and his team down at State Farm in Des Moines. They're saving people lots of money. Rates have never been this low with auto insurance, according to Brad. They're saving people on auto, home, renters, business, and life insurance. This team has been in business since Kirk's been here, since 1999. How about that? 
And of course, they are also the largest auto insurance company in the country. Call Brad at 515-256-6480. 515-256-6480. The quote is free. Give him a chance to save you and your family money online at www.bradbandmeter.com. 4229 Fleur Drive in Des Moines uh, in the heart of central Iowa. Let's get back to our phone line. James is on the phone. James, welcome. How you doing? I mean, obviously, we could be doing better. But first off, Corey, remember they asked Kirk a question last year in a press conference, right? And they asked him something about the offense. Do you remember what his uh, what his answer was? Just as answering your question earlier. Remember what his answer was? To what question? It was the question about, like, the offense was, like, looking bad or whatever. And then they asked him, like, like the offense is looking bad. Do you think – like, somebody I asked him, do you, like, what's your thoughts on the offense looking bad? Do you remember what he said? He said we won. We won nine games. We won nine games in twenty twenty one. We're not, or ten games in twenty twenty one. We're not worried about that. That's why he'll never change because he keeps winning games. And until he doesn't win games, he's not going to change because he says that every year at the thing that oh we won nine games. We won ten games. We won eight games. That's why he doesn't change because he keeps winning this way. Until he doesn't win this way, maybe he'll wake up and not change. But well, he doesn't. Hey, prediction time! I can tell you when that's going to start. Next year. Yeah, I know. So I'm saying in general, that's why he hasn't changed in so long because he keeps winning games in his eyes. Oh, I won 10 games last last year. Oh, I won nine games last year. You know what I mean? Like That's how it seems like he's been thinking for the past like six, seven years. It's like you can't just think that way. Just because you win doesn't mean there's oh. not stuff that doesn't need to be changed. Like I said, he going to have a wake me up, sweet baby James next year because with USC, UCLA, Oregon and Washington all joining the conference. You're no longer you're not going to have schedules like they have this year, Don. I mean, as bad as this was tonight, 31 nothing in Happy Valley and 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 I I'm the one who typed this up. It was an embarrassment. They uh, people ought to be embarrassed. They ought to be embarrassed. Um we're all embarrassed by this. But the bottom line is they're going to be heavy favorites against Michigan State next week. They're going to be favorites on the road at Northwestern. They're going to be favorites at home against Illinois. They're going to be favorites against Purdue. They're going to be favorites. Northwestern beat Minnesota, by the way, in in overtime. Yeah, Minnesota doesn't look very good, obviously. I I haven't seen any of that game, but how how do you lose to Northwestern? Um, I'm happy for Northwestern. I wasn't aware of the outcome of that game. Anyways. but anyways, yeah, I was just answering your question. The, st- the standard is eight to nine wins a year, and that's the standard. So we went over this. We went over this so many times. Yeah, no, I was just answering your question. We have to talk about this in the offseason, James. And uh, Probably the same thing. I was just answering your question because you said that, and I remember him saying that where he's like, oh, we won 10 games a year before, and it just seems like that's why he has his head on, oh, the defense will win this game. Oh, this one is going to see wins 10 games. And then you get a showing like this. And yes, it's something I can wake up. But one thing I've also said too about you talk about plays, this plays that way. Like, I think Don said earlier, don't really run anything different. You know what I mean? Like it's a one dimensional offense. It's a one dimensional offense because I've been watching this team for what, 15, 20 years. And I can tell you what every time they go into set, oh, it's a run or pass. I can't tell you what the play is going to be, right? But whenever they go into set, I can say run or pass. So you don't think the defense can say run or pass if they're going to set? Or 90, idea, like 85%? That, that, that I, they can go up to the line of scrimmage and. And even though the opponent knows exactly what they're going to do, they're good enough that they can do it anyways. Right, Don? That's the idea? Isn't that the goal? Well, it's, there are some teams that you simply can't match up. 
in that superior way. So to win those games, I'll say it this way, to move the ball against those defenses, you better have uh, some variety in what you're doing because you need to fool them some of the time because you can't simply out-execute them. Feels like we lost uh, Jane. Let's go back to our Iowa Smokehouse call in line. Vincent, welcome. Hey, guys. Hey guys how are we doing? Fabulous. Great night. <laughs> right. Um, uh, first thing I just want to touch on, uh, Don makes an excellent point, and there's no imagination, uh, to quote Don, as far as this offense is concerned. And even to back up Tom Caker, yeah, Kirk's not going to change anything when it comes to O.C., Brian's not going to change anything. Bringing a new OC in is not going to change anything because Kirk's going to have the same offensive philosophy. He'll have a, a, a grasp on how the offense is ran. I don't think any of those things change whatsoever because it's Kirk's brand of ball. What's upsetting with that is if it seems like he really wants to rely on defense and special teams um, as that's his method for winning games and to uh, Tom Caker's point and to Don, or to Don's point as well, he has. He's won, what, 62% of his games or something like that over his career. So it's he's winning. He's winning these games. But, um, again, for the fan base, you look at a team like Penn State and what um, Franklin has done there, you can do it. And just by having some imagination with your offense, to Don's point, um, you can be effective, not even effective, but you can score – 30 plus points a game and we're just not doing that. So I guess I could keep rambling on it, but I'm not going to, uh, my main, I guess, emphasis is for Kirk. Um, I know Don won't say it and as much respect as everybody has for what Kirk has done for Hawkeye nation for the past 24 years. It's that time is coming. Uh, it's that time's coming. I just nothing well, but respect for, go ahead. We just real quick. Vincent, I think you 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 understand this. For those people that are begging, begging for Brian Ferentz to be gone, you just need to accept that with that comes the end of the Kirk Ferentz era. Right. And yep. if you are comfortable with that as a fan, so be it. That's your prerogative and your stance and your opinion, and I respect it. Well, I, I think where we're at. Well, and I, I think as fans, a lot of us, that's the point that we're at. And we have nothing but admiration for Kirk and what he's done because he's done so much for the University of Iowa. And just like Don said, he's one of the best men you're ever going to meet. Excellent person or great person. He still is an excellent coach. But at this juncture with what college football is today in this age, it's not working for for Iowa and what we want or what the fan base is looking for. And, and I know folks will disagree with that, um, but that's just my take on it. The last thing I just want to leave with, did you guys see Brian's uh, press conference last Tuesday when they he brought up on his own the, the uh, points scored versus Western Michigan? Or I'll, I'll, I'll quote him for you. Um, he said a lot of people are looking at you know, his, or taking note of his 25 points per game and and paying a lot of attention to that. But they wanted folks, or he wanted folks to get a quote-unquote ladder and crawl out of his rear end. Did you hear that? Okay, time out. Hold on a second. Time out. Gotcha. <laughs> you, you heard it, right? I, I, I absolutely heard what you're referring to. That was a fake video. That was a fake video? That was AI. 
That was a fake video. I promise that was a fake video. Well, that 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 certainly looked real to me. I know I, I've had. You're not the only. You're going to make a lot of people feel a lot better by bringing that up, Vincent, because I've had several people reach out to me and say, "Did you see this?" And I'll say, "Bro, it's fake." And then they're like, "Man, I feel dumb." No, this is this is the modern world of AI, and uh, you know, no, 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 that was a fake video, Vincent. But it would. Didn't Pat McAfee bring it up on his show? I mean, it's it's made its rounds, but I promise you, it was fake. I I caught it just kind of secondhand. I don't know if it was a uh, short on YouTube or I just happened to catch and I thought, boy, that's awfully brazen of Brian to go on a, a press conference for the University of Iowa <laughs> and tell people to get a ladder and crawl out of his ass now because he scored 41 points a game. <laughs> I just thought, well, <laughs> I, I guess. But anyway, what the point I was going to make is he's going to need an awfully uh, or a, a much bigger ladder because he's going to have much more of the media up there if that after this or tonight's performance, given that they laid a goose egg. But nevertheless, um, the, the 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 points or the the average that he's supposed to hit every game constantly comes up. So I thought it was just kind of funny if it were true, which I thought it was. Um, <laughs> I, no, again, that's all right. I, I'm I'm the dumb one. I believed it. No, you're not the dumb one because a lot of people it's. People thought it was real. So, uh, one question, Don, if I can ask, um, just given your offensive mind, you've done this so long. Most offensive coaches, both sides of the ball, excuse me, offense and defense, do have in-game adjustments. But I don't see that, at least from a fan's perspective, when we're watching it, that we have a lot of those. As you're watching these games and breaking these down, when you see that our offense hits that lull or hits that wall. Are you noticing where we're having in-game adjustments? Do you see things that, you know, as an offensive coach where in-game when we're struggling that that's being done? Do you see any of that? Not to any great extent. Uh, Corey brought up, and I think he's right, you know, we have a a short list of plays that we're going to run early early in the game. And it seems like those work better for us than the plays that we call later in the game. And um, a lot of people have a, a short list of plays that they start the game with. You know, some teams, even in the NFL, some teams might script the first 10 or 15 snaps. Um, we never did it, did it that way. But what I did when I went to Western Illinois as a head coach, I said, at the time, I was a David Letterman fan. You'll find this interesting, I think. And after we put together our run list and our pass list, myself and the offensive coordinator would identify 10 runs and 10 passes. We would alternate. I would take the odd numbers, and he would have the even numbers. 10 runs, 10 passes that we absolutely wanted to run. And we had a top 10 list, if you will, for run and for pass. And I will guarantee you those 20 plays got called. But the beauty of doing it that way, it was a reference list, and you could you could fit the play to the down and distance better than just simply going off of a script, you know, just going 1 through 10 or 1 through 15 or 1 through 20. It was simply a list of the best 10 runs, best 10 passes, and you can bet that those 20 plays were going to get run probably in the first half. And, we, and I was continually, and so was our – 
offensive coordinator continually referencing that list to be sure that we didn't overlook one of those plays. Because if we made the decision on Thursday night that this is a play that absolutely needs to be run on Saturday, then you can bet it was going to be run in the first half. And if it was good, we're going to run it again, too. I remember Villager saying from time to time, thank God they didn't come back to that play because we didn't have a good answer for them. And a lot of offensive teams make that mistake. They run a good play, and amazingly enough, they never run it again. Why in God's name wouldn't you try to run it a second time? Coach Fry famously said, milk it until it's dry, right? You've heard that expression. Sure. Well, that's what we did. Matter of fact, he was notorious if the play was good on one down, and let's imagine the ball went from the left hash to the right hash on that play. Coach Fry routinely would flip the formation and run the same play to the other side of the field. And his, his philosophy on that was, let's run it again before they have a chance to realize what happened to them, before they have a chance to correct their mistake. And oftentimes it did work. Um, so, you know, that's that's the way we played football. And, and that top ten list of runs and passes, there's no doubt in my mind, it helped us to be a better offense. Because those were 20 plays that absolutely deserved to be run in the first half. And if they were good in the first half, we might run them again in the second half too. be kind of crazy not to give them another. Oftentimes they work a second or even a third time. Maybe not the same formation, the exact same play, but maybe we dressed it up with a different motion, but it's the same concept. We would do that too. That's just smart football again. You're, you're, you're going to run the same play, but you're disguising the awareness that they might have that this is that same formation that they hit us with in the first half. Hope well, that makes I, sense. I oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I know Kirk has kind of been open about scripting plays or the first, and almost to be precise, I think the, the first 15 plays are scripted. So, like, Corey, like you notice, hey, we come out our first series or two, we look good, we look crisp, we look clean, but all of a sudden after the the first uh, couple series, we go on the tank. Uh, to me, it's we almost idea. like... We, we, we have no idea what we're doing after that. Right, so it's almost like we there's nothing, and I'm sure we do, I'm sure Brian does, but it doesn't look apparent on uh, to the fans that there are any adjustments that are being made that are either working or they're just they're, they're off the cuff that um, are helping us to try to make sure that we're moving the ball and getting positive gains versus going backwards. Cause you see so many times where it's almost like we're just beating a dead horse. Once our script is done and we just keep trying to, to, to run the ball um, or continue with the same plays or re re going through those first 15 scripted plays that didn't work. I just don't see anything from a viewer's perspective where we're like, Hey, okay, this isn't working. This isn't working, but here's something else we have in the pot that we can use to try to make sure that we're uh, gaining positive yardage. And again, I'm going to come back to Don's point. We do nothing to try to stretch the field. And I know we have the youngster from Ohio state that's gotten a carry or two, no catches, but you have someone that has great speed, great athletic or great athleticism but yet, even when we try to do max protect, we're not looking to just get the ball out quickly downfield. It's like we're sitting in the pocket waiting for certain um, receiver patterns to develop either for our tight ends or receivers that just never develop. 
and then we take a sack. I don't know why we're not trying to get the ball out much quicker either. Just trying to, or to Don's point, there's no mystery to our offense. We're just so predictable, and it gets so frustrating as fans. But I'm not saying anything that everyone else isn't uh, thinking um, just the same. But, uh, gentlemen, as always, appreciate the time. Corey, great platform. Uh, Don, don't stay up too late, all right? No problem. I will make this comment, Corey. One of the first things I wrote, you know, I just make notes as the game plays out. One of my first entries, Penn State, smart to schedule quick throws for Duraller. In the early stages of the game, a lot of quick throws, a lot of balls thrown behind the line, you know, swinging them back out of the backfield and whatnot, a lot of quick throws. And even though our pass rush was was a, a threat, uh, the ball was out so quickly we simply couldn't get home. Yeah, I thought the pass rush was better in that first half than it has been. Did you feel the yeah. same way? I mean, Deontay Craig got got close a couple of times, and I, I just thought as a whole they made it hard on that. Let's not forget it was 10-0 at halftime. So we keep talking about how the defense didn't play great yeah. tonight. It was 10-0 at halftime in spite of two turnovers, um, one of which came in Iowa territory on a, on a punt blunder. Uh, so, like, I, I, I just go back to the dam eventually breaking because it's just so darn stressed. Uh, Aaron uh, in the chat, appreciate the super chat, Aaron. Kirk has been successful winning games, but doesn't matter if you don't win the right games. How many Big Ten championships do we have under him or national? They won the 02 uh, Big Ten championship. It was a shared title. They won the 04 Big Ten championship. It's a shared title. Um, those are the last times they've. A shared title. And I don't know who we start with. Um, well, the years was Ohio State, right? Um, I'm not You're sure. You're talking about year. 2002. Yeah, they were both shared. I'm sorry? They were both shared. Which, which years? 2002 and 2004. 2002, 2004, okay. Yeah. The last uh, the last outright title was 1985. Okay. Uh, thank you, Aaron, for the super chat. Sam, can't compete with Kirk's style, ready to swing big. And he's uh, I'm sure he's uh, talking about swinging big on the coaching market, on the coaching uh, tree, so to speak. So, uh, Sam, respect your opinion, and, there, and everybody has a right to those opinions. Um, again, uh, not trying to overreact in the moment. Appreciate this super chat from BL4KN6LD. Don't know what that stands for, but appreciate you being here, ma'am or sir, whoever you are. Appreciate that. Mike, I was an undergrad at Iowa back in 2001. It's the same offense. I think we should accept that it's not changing. Not under Kirk Ferentz, it's not changing. Um, that doesn't mean it can't be better. Don, it's been better. I think we have to, to understand this. For everybody that says it's the same offense since 2001, it was a top 50 offense in 2002. Top 50. Do you want to know where they rank right now? Do we even want to know where they rank right now? We don't really. wanna, no, we don't want to know that. Um it's been historically bad these last three years. So just keep that in mind. Do I think schematically and from a 
from a philosophy standpoint, do I think it's going to stay the same as long as Kirk Ferentz is the head coach? I do, Don. Don't don't you ultimately think that? Kirk's not just going to Kirk is not going to overhaul his philosophy as it relates to offense this late in his tenure at Iowa. Is that fair? I mean, do you think there's a chance that could happen? It probably depends on record at the end of the year. You think there's a chance he overhauls his scheme and his philosophy on offense? I guess you would argue if our record is not nearly what we thought it was going to be, you would argue that we're going to be making a change anyway. A change well, we in coaches. Last, well, they went seven and five last year. That was not enough pressure to, to make any changes with the coaching staff. And Don, seven what's and the, five with, yeah. with a lot of problems offensively as well. What given the schedule, what's the worst Iowa goes this year? Well, I certainly think it's not hard to imagine. Wisconsin's gonna be a struggle. But even Wisconsin, um, help me out. Who did Wisconsin play this weekend? I know it was a Big Ten opponent. I can't remember who. Purdue. Purdue, yeah. Even with the way the game played out, Purdue had almost 400 yards offense. You know, Purdue was hurting Wisconsin in the second half, right? These games all kind of run together. I can't remember what the final spread was. I think it was 21 maybe, 38 to um, 17, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but the truth is, if you're a Purdue fan, my daughter is a Purdue fan. She went to Purdue. We watched the game, and she made the comment. She said, well, at least we're moving the ball up and down the field. And she was right. You know, the score was still one-sided. But but uh, I'll say it this way. In the first half, I thought, well, Wisconsin maybe is a little better than what I thought. In the second half, I found myself thinking, no, we can beat Wisconsin. They got some issues on defense too. Um, I say two. I don't. They have more issues on defense than we do. I think. Uh, but our our defense simply needs more help from the offense. I think that would make a difference. You know, we need to be able to stay on the field some on offense. Obviously, put up more points. Give the defense a chance to to not play much more fifty percent of the game. That would help. I can't hear you, Corey. Try it again. Uh, Indiana needed four overtimes to beat Akron today. I'm glad I'm not an Indiana fan because Akron used to be the doormat of the MAC. I don't know if they still are or not, but I suspect they're second division in the MAC still. But but all joking aside, Don, how can you explain to people who who don't understand it, which includes me? How does Purdue hire a defensive coordinator from Illinois in Ryan Walters? They hire a defensive coordinator from Illinois in Ryan Walters. And yet, up against a, probably a pretty respectable Wisconsin. I'm guessing that Wisconsin defense will be pretty good when we look back at it at the end of the year. They put up 400 total yards. And yet, year after year after year now, we can't seem to figure anything out on offense. We can't help but be the doormat of the Big Ten. How is that possible? How How is that possible? How can Ryan Walters, as a defensive coordinator, go to Purdue and they have, looks like, at least an adequate offense, and we can't even be close. Iowa can't even be close to being adequate. We went over this so many times, right? All they need to be is average. They can't even be close. They're not even close to average 
they can't even manage to get close to average. How is well, that? As I watched Purdue offensively, I found myself thinking, wow, I didn't know that much about Hudson Card. I knew some people bragged on Hudson Card, the quarterback. Did you watch the game? That guy's a decent runner. Yeah. yeah he ran for any number of yards. Uh, he's, a, he's a very competitive guy. He's, uh, he's able to extend plays, as we say. Uh, he certainly knows how to wing a football down the field. Um, I was impressed with him. You know, he gives – he gives them a lot of reason for hope, a lot of reason for optimism. Uh, frankly, uh, if I'm a Purdue fan, I'm thinking, now wait a minute, our head coach is a defensive, a defensive expert. So how come we're not seeing improvement on defense? Uh, you know, Purdue's going to have to outscore people because their defense is simply not that good. Same problem they had an offensive coach that is an excellent offensive coach. You've heard me publicly state, I think he's the best play caller in the Big Ten. Well, he's no longer in the Big Ten, so we don't have to worry about about him anymore. Uh, but uh, Purdue is their offense. Uh, of, um, frankly, two people come to mind, number one and number three. Number three, as you recall, played for us. He's a pretty, pretty decent running back. I'm not saying he could be uh, better than our backs. I don't know that he's that good, but he's he's certainly respectable in carrying the ball out of the backfield. Not to mention, of course, being a threat to catch it. Vital transformation in the chat. What exactly was 78 doing tonight against 44? He's talking about Mason Richmond matched up against that Penn State end. He was swinging and missing. If it would have been a boxing match, they might have had to stop it because one guy was landing punches and one guy wasn't. Thank you for the super chat, Vital Transformation. Lemansky, coaching Corey, thank you. Sitting at a home of home game of UC Davis versus Eastern Washington. 37 points scored so far. Sun might be setting on us, but it hasn't set yet. Thank you for the super chat, Lemansky. Always appreciate your contributions here. The show. Let's go back to our Iowa Smokehouse call in line. The B is on the line. The B, welcome. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, this question is for Coach. Uh, I don't want to put you in, in an uncomfortable position on this, but I'm going to come at this from another angle. Um, back when you were in the Hayden Fry uh, years, did you guys ever as assistant coaches have a come-to-Jesus moment or speak truth to power at any certain time? Do those sort of things happen behind the scenes maybe that we don't know about? For example, to see Kirk to, at halftime today tell the sideline reporter that the defense needs to score, I just thought <laughs> he just expects that all the time. And I'm just curious, are there any coordinators through your time that maybe would step up and say, hey, you know, we deliver on this side. You need to do this on your side. Were there wherever those internal discussions back then in those days? And do you think those exist in the current situation with uh, Coach Ferentz, because I could even tell with Tom Caker when he talks, and no disrespect to Tom, um, but I'd love to have Corey replace Tom as a sideline reporter <laughs> because he would ask the more pointed questions. Um, there's really no truth to power here. Nobody speaks truth to power, and everybody's afraid. Um, they don't want to cross the Ferences, so we have to ask and kind of go gently around and and I was just kind of curious from from your aspect of, of being a coach, and I know he's a friend of yours, so I know it's a 
maybe kind of a difficult question, but um, did those exist back when you were, um, those moments exist when you were uh, coaching with uh, uh, Hayden Fry? You heard me say earlier, drastic situations call for measures. And there were a few times through the years, uh, typically because we were pulling, uh, the teams that come to mind more often than not would be the big two, as they used to call them, the big two and the little eight back in the days when there were 10 teams. That would be Michigan, Ohio State. And there were times when we felt, you know, the only chance we have to win this game is to go to an extreme. And that might mean um, that might mean to be out of character defensively. And even though Bill Brazier preferred to play a lot of zone coverage, <clears throat> maybe there were times when we, when Coach Fry told him, Bill, we have no choice. You gotta, you gotta load the box, or you gotta, you gotta bring pressure. You know, we gotta roll the dice. We have to take a chance. You know, because uh, as we, you always hear people say, to not make any change is the sign of, you know, to keep making the same mistakes over and over and and get beat over the head with what's been happening. Clearly, that's that's crazy not to try something else. And, and there were times when we did that, you know, and a drastic measure sometimes did work. You know, maybe we loaded the box and it was successful because they didn't think we would do it. And yet we did. So um, do you think the assistants for Iowa currently are free to say that? Do they feel free to say that? Like, I, I'm, I'm just finding it I very. Know. Yeah, I, I, it's just really strange to see because you think a lot of this stuff that maybe they would you know, we as fans, I hear everybody, you know, we all complain, fire Brian, do this, do this. But I think a lot of this stuff comes from internal, too. And if you're working on a staff, you have a team. Do you have the trust of the coach to speak truth to the coach and say, hey, coach, we need to change something up now. Like, let's do well, it. As you've heard me state, and there were rare exceptions. There were a few times for sure in my 21 years with Coach Fry where he would say, maybe not even at halftime, maybe during the game. In the middle of the first quarter, in the middle of the second quarter, he might say, we're not doing that anymore. Bill, I want you to pressure the quarterback. You understand what I'm saying? I want you to come after the quarterback. Now, you know, Bill Brazier was our, our, our highly respected defensive coordinator. Well, if the boss man said, I want you to, I want you to bring pressure, then he did it uh, because – you know, Hayden's a strong personality, and and I'm sure uh, if Kirk feels that strongly, he'll be a strong personality also. I don't know that that happens, but there were times for sure when Hayden told us on both offense and defense, we got to change because what we're doing is not working. And if the boss man said, let's change, we changed. You know, maybe we decided we're not going to try to run the ball anymore because it's not working for us. I'll give you a prime example. We were playing over in Indiana, a Bill Mallory team, and we were behind something like 24-3, to 3, I think, in the middle of the second quarter because we'd fumbled a kickoff, and they had a good team. They had a great back. What was that back's name? He's one of the all-time leading rushers, uh, Thompson. Mm. Remember, remember that name? Yeah. Uh, anyway, we were behind, and they were a pretty darn good football team too. And in the middle of the second quarter, uh, Hayden said – no more. From this point forward, it's nothing but two minutes. Uh, and we threw something like 
I forget what it was, 68 passes or something in the game. Uh, and we did lose the game, but here's how we lost it. Uh, and, Corey, you've heard me tell the story. Dick Vermeer was doing the game with Gary Bender and, and during a TV timeout because we got the satellite feedback in those days. Gary Bender told Dick Vermeil, Dick, I'm sorry, it looks like we got a dog on our hands today, meaning a poor game to call. And Dick Vermeil's response, he said, you wait. I was going to make this game last forever. They're going to throw so many passes that we're going to be late to catch our plane simply because this game's going to last a long time. That's what happened that day. Indiana beat us, but here's how they beat us. One of the greatest calls I've ever seen. Coach Mallory called a fake punt when they were ahead by 10 points. Tell me the last time you saw a fake and you're ahead. <laughs> Doesn't happen. I told Coach Mallory at the convention that year, I said, Coach, that's one of the best calls I've ever seen. He said, we had to do something. You were going to reel us in. He was right. I think we probably would have beaten him if he hadn't done something to change the momentum. Uh, not really to change the momentum, but at least to stop our momentum. I think they only got a field goal off that fake punt. They picked up maybe 40 or 50 yards on that one play. We held them, but they kicked the field goal and kind of stopped our momentum. And I think they ended up beating us by maybe 10 points. It was a close game in the end, but it was close only because we radically changed our style of play. And I think that's what smart teams do. Well, thank you so much, Coach. Your wealth of knowledge. I, I really enjoy you here on the show with Corey. Corey, great show as usual. I'll let other callers take over. You guys have a great night. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate our Iowa Smokehouse callers here. And, uh, yeah, I, as I mentioned earlier, Iowa Smokehouse, Brad Van Meter, thank you to, to both of those wonderful companies. Also, RTI Threads. You've seen their uh, little uh, ticker across the bottom of the screen. And uh, they're – well, I tell you, uh, Cooper DeGene, they, they're they're uh, carrying Cooper DeGene's apparel and merchandise, Don, and we can talk about Cooper here in a second. But if people want to check out his awesome merch, go to cd3lacesup.com. Again, that's cd3lacesup.com. You can check out all of their awesome, awesome products with their different athletes. Carson Shires won uh, a couple of young freshmen that will eventually, I think, be stars here. Aiden Hall, uh, Zach Lutmer, a couple of others. Go to rtithreads.com. And uh, I thought it was interesting, Don, Cooper to Gene this evening. You saw a little bit of frustration. He's a very cool, calm, collected dude. You saw a little frustration when the ball hit Brandon Diaz-Fernandez. Is that bad that we saw that out of Cooper? I, I don't think – I mean, it, it, it's a natural reaction, right? And he's obviously yelling poison, 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 or Peter, 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 whatever he's yelling in that right. situation. How, how do you – do you say something to Cooper about – being the kind of the face of the, the program and showing that frustration toward a teammate, it was just a split-second thing I noticed there after that mishap. Yeah, I would prefer that players not do that, and I'll explain why. Um, I'm always giving advice to coaches. but you know, Sometimes coaches that were new to being a head coach, they might ask me, Coach, you have any advice for me? Uh, and you've heard me relate to you that, relate to you that some advice, advice I gave them was simply this. I use the phrase, never let them see you sweat. You've heard me say that, right, Corey? Yeah. That, that means as a head coach, you can't lose your cool. Uh, Kirk does a good job of never letting them see him sweat. You know, his players uh, know that he's not going to uh, go berserk on the sideline. It's not going to happen. Uh, and he's going to keep his cool and, and make sound decisions over the course of the game. And the same thing could apply to players. 
you know, if you're if you're frustrated, you're better off not showing that frustration because um, if nothing else, it might encourage the other team to think that they've got you where they want you and maybe boost their confidence. And if you can do anything to affect the confidence of the other team, then for God's sakes, do it. You want to try to destroy their confidence. You want to get them discouraged because, let's face it, a lot of them aren't even 20 years old yet, and if they're discouraged, they're not going to play as well. And, and truthfully, I, I saw somebody make that comment. Uh, uh, Cooper was clearly frustrated as the game played out, and I couldn't help but notice he wasn't playing as well in the fourth quarter as Cooper normally plays. He was discouraged to the point that it actually affected his game a little bit. And Cooper's still a young player. You know, he'll learn from that. Uh, but it's kind of obvious in watching the game, uh, Cooper got discouraged. It's hard not to be discouraged. But the true champions, the guys that are what we used to call war daddies, those guys would never, ever give up or never even show that they were discouraged. And if we can develop that mindset for our entire football team, we'll be in a better place as a result. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a, a plethora of callers still waiting on hold. We're with you for the time being until Don falls asleep on us right here. Iowa Post Game with Coach Don Patterson. We'll be back with more after a word from our sponsor. Imagine the possibilities is dedicated to empowering people to reach individual achievement across the spectrum of life. We believe in creating lasting relationships, empowering people for success, and cultivating joy. Our team of passionate people work each day to serve our communities in ways that create a lasting impact. We believe in creating opportunities for people with disabilities to achieve goals, build skills, and celebrate all that's possible. If you want to learn more about us or join our exceptional team, visit us at ImagineIA.org. All right, we are back here. Iowa Post Game with Coach Don Patterson. Let's go back to our Iowa Smokehouse call in line. Leo's been on hold forever. Leo, welcome. Hey, guys. Good to see you again, Corey. Coach. Good to see you. Hello. Man, so sorry about today, guys. Uh, you know, uh, I will say this, though. Happy Valley is not an easy place to play. It's loud. They are rowdy. They're whiting out. They're, they're, I mean, it is hard to communicate with that. Um, we said all along, this will be the biggest challenge we have in the regular season. And this mm -hmm. game is the most difficult game. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you, um, I, I wouldn't want to play that this year. But, you know, with Cade and Corey, we talk, you know, we talked when you got Cade and, and uh, Eric all in, in the portal and everything. And I was, you know, hey, I was bragging, you know, he's not going to turn the ball over. He's, he's going to keep your – he's the – Biggest asset to your defense, you know, because he's he's not going to turn the ball over. I know last year the D was not getting any breaks. Um, and he got a great defense. It's just, you know, I, I was looking and I saw, like, it has to be a schematic thing, Coach. You've forgotten more football coach than most of us can aspire to know. And you hit on something that I was going to ask you ahead of time. Uh, you know, how do you tweak the offense to where he's getting the ball out of his hands? Right. Um, and you mentioned what Adler was doing. He's, you know, quick little pick passes, you know, dig routes, quick out routes, wheel routes, whatever you got to do. Get the ball out of your hand. Right. Make the defense honest. Don't don't let them pin their ears back and just start shooting at Cade like that. Um, Eric Hall is a stud like we talked about, Corey. He's an absolutely stud. But 
you can't go to them every time you you, you drop back, right? Well, Eventually, the, the CBS crew actually made an interesting point this evening, um, and I don't know if it was Danielson who said this, Don. I think it probably was, but he made the point. He said, you know, they're not even looking. They don't even really look to their receivers. Mm-hmm. Like they're just so honed in on getting the ball to the tight end, whether that right. be Luke Lachey or Eric All. I mean, we didn't see any. Do we see any targets for Stilianos or Estringa tonight? I don't think we did. Um, but but that's a fair point. It's not just this game. We talk about wide receiver involvement. We've been talking about that for years, Don. You and I have been talking about that for this is year three of the show, so I can say that you and I have been talking about that for years. Well, you heard this comment about about Penn State in terms of coverage. What did you hear the announcers? Would they did they describe him as a zone team or a man team? I didn't hear. I, did they make a comment on that? Well, maybe I'm getting the games mixed up, but I, I do know that they certainly play some man coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've heard me say before, if you're going to see a lot of man coverage, you better be able to defeat man coverage. And you've heard me talk about man beaters. We had so many man beaters, and Leo, you don't know the story, but we played Miami of Florida. This is when Miami was really, really good. Mm-hmm. And we played them in the Orange Bowl. We didn't beat them, but we gave them a scare. Two years later, they came to Iowa City to return the game. They showed up, and they didn't play any man coverage at all. And they beat us something like 14-7 to or something. It was a low-scoring game. And we're coming down the elevator after the game, and I make a comment to the defensive coordinator. I said, nice game, coach. He he thanked me, and I said, "Uh, what happened to all your man coverage? He said, are you, you kidding uh, I'd be stupid if I did that. You know, you gave us problems two years ago. Mm-hmm. And then he simply made the offhanded comment, you got too many man beaters. Well, when I heard that, I was able to go back to the offense and say, guys, here's what Miami's defensive coordinator said. A guy named Sonny Lubick, great football coach. Uh, one of the best defensive coordinators in that particular era. And I said, the reason that's significant, if Miami's afraid to play man coverage against us, I promise you a lot of Big Ten teams will also be afraid to do so. That's going to make our job easier because we're primarily going to have to gear ourselves to defeat zone coverage because we're not going to see much man. And that's exactly what happened. So I guess my point is you got to be able to defeat whatever the team's doing to you. You got to be able to defeat it. You got to have you got to have a lot of weapons at your disposal, and you got to you got to continually play the game of what if. And Corey's heard me talk about it, Leo. You have not probably. When you look at film, you got to be continually asking the question, what if they'd done this? Maybe it's a running play that looked good, but the question you should be asking is, I wonder if we could come up with a play-action pass off that same look. Maybe it's a running play that's in our offense too. So why don't we consider a play-action pass off of this particular running play that clearly we feel like we can run effectively well, any run play that's effective, you better have a play-action pass off of it. You're foolish if you don't, because that's your best chance to hit hit over the top of a defense, is to be able to make it look like run and then throw the ball down the field. Right. Does And the other thing I was going to say, you know, in order for the play-action to work, you got to run the darn ball. Right. Somewhere. And I just um, – you got some quick athletes there. It's not like you don't have receivers and you don't got speed. You got you got a few uh, – Who? Uh, what's the number? Uh, I don't know his name, but he's quick off the 
uh, I mean, no, you you could be right, but I haven't seen anything in in on game film that has indicated such, and that may not be the fault of the receivers, but. How do we know? Yeah, well, um, that yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, the stretch run plays, things that you can do just to. You're not manhandling anybody off the line. You're just not. And they're coming, man. They're coming. They're they're, they're filling the box. They got the linebackers coming. Stretch, stretch it, stretch it. Do the quick plays like we were talking about earlier. Do something to. To to open something for for your offense, yeah, you can't you can't you got an awesome defense, but and I know last year they were scoring right, or it was the year before, the year before they were scoring a lot. Last year we scored a lot on defense. Yeah, so I mean, but they can't be your bread and butter. Your offense eventually has to do something, and I know Corey is blasphemy from what I said last time, but if if. Brian has to go and Kurt has to go, then that's just what has to happen if the program is going to succeed farther. If you're not changing and evolving, um, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure Nick Saban had to evolve and change because there was people that spread offense and things, and eventually, you know, your hog mollies are going to get tired in the fourth quarter, right? If they're chasing people and they're getting their spread offense and they're starting to innovate, well, you have to catch up or you're going to die. And don't mean to be gloomy, but <laughs> looks like you're dying. So, <laughs> well, I appreciate the call, Leo, and uh, I appreciate your your Michigan perspective, sir. All right, thank y'all, thank you, sir. Appreciate the respect from from Leo, and uh, we've got Josh Patterson on the line. Is this a relative of yours, Don? That I'm about to bring on? No relation. Okay, let's get Josh in our Iowa Smokehouse Colin line. Josh, welcome. Hey, how you guys doing tonight? Other than the game, <laughs> doing good. Well, it's technically we're three minutes to Sunday morning, so I'll be I'll be better in a few minutes because I can say, hey, it's the day after. You know what? You're right. That's a good way to look at it. Um, I'll I'll make it pretty quick. I'm at work, so uh, and you know I'm sure you guys have a lot more callers. I just wanted to say that the biggest thing I'm worried about is not necessarily the individual performance like this week or the next. My big thing is how this is going to affect recruiting because in this day and age, you need recruits. And yes, we can go on about how this team, this coaching staff has taken, you know, the gems in the rough, you know, the diamonds in the rough players. Well, people are getting a lot better at finding those and then they go to better schools. Um, and I mean, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but it, it almost looks like we've kind of lost that ability. Though we have gotten some good recruits in the last five, ten years. Um, probably the best, at least that I've ever remembered, but I'm kind of young. And I think Iowa fans might be a little spoiled in that because we come off, you know, AJ Epinesa, like our best, you know, top three recruit ever. He was insanely great for our defense, especially for recruiting, because then we strung together great recruits after him. The issue is if we're going to string together awful, I'm not, you know, it's, it's not necessarily even on the players. I think we recruit good offensive players, but I think our development of them is going to turn a lot of good recruits away. And that's what will really kill like a program like ours. Cause ours isn't like, you know, 
we're not a, a Mac school or anything like that where they have to fight over, you know, what the big schools in their, their states take up. But we're also a school that's from a small state. So we have to fight for good players out of state. And a lot of the good players in state go to either Iowa, Iowa state or the top usually end up going somewhere else. And so I think if this program ever has to, will ever take the leap to the next level, like everybody really wants and the, the hope has shown just from how great our defenses and special teams has been, I think there just has to be some kind of change in the offense. If it means Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz are gone, which that's a dangerous thing as well, because you never know how that goes. Changing everything doesn't always work. Um, but that's my biggest worry as a as an Iowa fan. I, I would just like to hear you guys' perspective on that. Don? Well, let's just think back to Bob Cummings as the coach. I remember Bob Cummings' record in five years here was 17 wins and 38 losses. Bob Elliott was the AD, and after year five, they decided that Bob Cummings had to be done. And Bump knew. Bump was the head coach at Michigan when he played an SMU team that was coached by a young, tall Texan by the name of Hayden Fry. And even though Michigan beat SMU, they had far better personnel, Bump was impressed with the fact that Hayden got a lot of mileage out of a roster that was not nearly as talented as his. And so when Bump had a chance to hire one last football coach at Iowa, Hayden was the guy he wanted. And at the time, uh, Coach Fry had three options. I know that because I was with him at North Texas in his last year at North Texas. Oklahoma State was looking for a coach. Mississippi State was looking for a coach. And then the University of Iowa. And Bump knew. And Bump told Hayden, he said, you'll be the last coach I ever hire. So my hope is that you coach here a long time because that means I'll be the AD for uh, a lengthy period of time too, maybe. And that's exactly what happened. Of course, Hayden coached here for 20 years and Bump retired, of course, long before those 20 years were gone, but at least Bump got to decide when he was going to retire. Uh, you know, an AD is only as good as the coaches he hires and, uh, and Bump had excellent judgment, not just in hiring Coach Fry, but hiring other people like Lute Olson and Tom Davis and Vivian Stringer, uh, any number of other great coaches. Uh, let's think about Dan Gable as being an awfully good hire too. So um, uh, in the bottom line, you know, an AD needs to recognize you're going to be judged a lot by who you hire. Uh, and so if, uh, if you want to make a name for yourself as an AD, then you better come up with, better records on the part of some of these those, these most um, favorite sports, you better come up with a better record than what the last guy had, and uh, that'll give you a chance to have a lot of longevity as an AD. You're only as good as the people you have. So I would hope that that, um, that Beth, if she's our, um, our full-time AD at some point, uh, that she – I'm sure she understands that, and she'll make a good decision as to who to hire in any and all positions within the athletic department. I'm confident in saying that. 
I've been very impressed with her. She's a really sharp lady, and um, she's certainly uh, a good candidate for the full-time job if and when that position's filled. I would agree with that as well. But um, thank you, guys. Uh, this is the first time I've ever called. No, no relation. Just a lot of Pattersons in the world. Um, but I have been a long-time listener. Great show, guys. Have a good night. Well, actually, it's not night anymore. Have a good day. Yeah. <laughs> good morning. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate that. And thank you for listening and for, for calling in, even though you're at work. Appreciate that. Uh, Marcus, uh, Super Chat. By the way, if you want to get a Super Chat here, we're on for you, – you got an, you got another – 30 to 40 minutes with us, Don? Or are you sure. zooming out? Long as people want to talk. If you I'll fall asleep on camera, we'll just keep going. I'll just answer no, the questions for you. No chance, Corey. You know, this is my normal work day. I'm up this time of night every night. All right, Marcus with the Super Chat. If you want to get a Super Chat in for Coach Patterson, it's really the only way unless you call in to get a question that, that I can guarantee will get answered because we just I just cannot get through all the chats. We've had thousands and thousands of comments in the chat and I simply just can't filter through all of them. Marcus uh, with the super chat, what can they do play calling wise to get Cade a better feel for the game and more confidence with his receivers? That's a fair question, Don. Well, um, you know, I mentioned what, what Penn state did early in the game. They threw a lot of balls behind the line of scrimmage or only a few yards beyond the line of scrimmage. We can obviously do that too. Uh, our tight ends typically give us that ask Spec to the passing game, a lot of quicker throws uh, that give us a chance to get the ball out without being sacked. Uh, that's one option, but it goes way beyond that. Uh, if you're having a hard time buying enough time to throw the ball down the field, as you heard me say, you got to be creative with your protection. You got to be able to play action in a run situation. Well, clearly they're nice rush mode. If it's third down and two, they're not thinking pass. They're thinking run. So play action should be able to buy you a lot of time. You should be much less likely to be sacked on third and two than you're on third and eight. So mix it up more on, on short yardage. Go with more pass plays. Be more creative with your pass protection. We talked about keeping a tight end in or, or chipping with the back or maybe moving the pocket. Uh, one of the best plays we had all night long was not a true naked. You remember that Kate fake left and rolled right, but that tight end on the right side was a full-time blocker. And our thought process, I'm sure, was I'm sure we had a receiver, an outside receiver, that was supposed to try to get open down the field. Well, the bad news didn't get open. The good news is Kate ran for 18 yards, even though he ran about as fast as Corey runs. Corey might be faster. Uh, but he was fast enough to cover 18 yards, and even then he got out of bounds without even being hit. So that was a good play, obviously. Stuff like that. Move the pocket. Don't be such a stationary target back there. Uh, help the tackles as best you can. Uh, you know, call more pass plays, play action, especially in run situations. Obviously, that's going to give you a better chance to have time to throw the ball down the field. Hope those make sense. Call other plays. They give a, a receiver a chance to catch the ball and run out with the ball. Simple example that you're very familiar with, Corey, would be a slant route. Well, if you hit a slant route and the guy's on the dead run, he's got a chance to run down the field with the ball versus catching a toe tap on the boundary or catching a ball where he's into the boundary and doesn't have a lot of room to run. We always used to 
talk about the boundary is Mr. B. And the expression an old coach used to use is, Mr. B never missed a tackle. The boundary is always your friend if you're playing defense. You know, so you you keep leverage on a ball carrier that's near the boundary just to simply funnel him off the field rather than have, give him a chance to cut back open field and, and go for a long score. So you use that boundary to help you as a leverage to leverage those ball carriers off the field of play. Uh-huh. Hope that helps. Alan in the chat, I'm going to call your bluff, Alan. He says, giving away my tickets for next Saturday. No, you're not. 45-yard line, 36 rows up. Free Michigan State tickets. I am done. Sure you are. Uh, i tell you what, Alan, uh, if you're serious, uh, I'll, I'll throw my email up here for you. I guarantee I don't hear from you. How about that? How about that challenge? It's on the bottom ticker, Alan. You're so anxious to get rid of those uh, 45-yard line tickets. I'll make sure they get they get put in good hands. So, uh no, no need to worry yourself with those 45-yard line tickets. Is that an indicator, Corey, that you're going to be in town next Saturday night? <laughs> no, because we're not, nobody's going to hear from Alan. <laughs> um, Leo, thank you for becoming a member. I'm assuming this is the same Leo that uh, jumped on with us earlier, I think. But Leo uh, C931, appreciate that. Um, BL4KN6LD, Kirk isn't blind. He's... Definitely not dumb, which begs the question, how does he rationalize an offense this inept? Offense isn't this hard. Yeah, I don't. That's a rhetorical question, I guess, because I, I don't think I have an answer for that. I know I don't. Um, he, he's explained his theories and his his rationale on the whole situation. Um, one of the things he said during the offseason, Don, and one, th- one of the things that the entire staff doubled down on during the offseason was they felt like the biggest issue was personnel and we kept hearing about how it was personnel 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 well we kept hearing about how the offensive line was young and guys kept getting hurt and the wide receiver room was hurt and the quarterback room which just wasn't very good well as i said at the time whose fault is that a uh what's the excuse now b the offensive line is not young c they they added a quarterback in the portal, added a couple of receivers in the portal. Stop me! I mean, where am I? Where am I lost on this? And Seth looks like a really promising young player. We like need to him. we need to make an effort to get the ball in. Seth. First off, has he had a drop all season? I don't think so. good hands. He's he's athletic. He's got a good frame. You know, we need to try to get in the ball. I'm sure we are trying to get in the ball, but. It wasn't obvious tonight, that's for sure. Now, typically, we we uh, give kudos to our player of the game earlier in the show, but given the evening, we waited uh, a little while to talk about talk about our player of the game, RTI Threads player of the game, Nick Jackson. I thought he played really well, especially early, Don. 13 tackles, eight of which were solo tackles, two and a half tackles for loss um, for a, a net of negative eight yards. Um, he had a couple of uh, bursts into the backfield that I thought looked like an all-ACC type of guy. And uh, maybe it's taken him a couple of weeks to catch up to Big Ten play and, and just his different d- the difference in assignment. But can you talk a little bit about what not only you saw from Nick Jackson today, but what you've seen over the last few weeks? Well, I, I certainly was satisfied with the play of 34 and 10. Uh, I think those poor guys, I think they might have taken every snap close to it. I know Fisher was out there some too, but – Maybe that was when we were in three linebacker defense rather than two. 
uh, it seemed to me that 34 and 10 played out there, 90-something snaps maybe, maybe not. It certainly seemed like it because every time you turned around, those were the guys that were making a lot of tackles. I don't know how many uh, Higgins ended up with, but he couldn't have been too far behind that bet. Do you know offhand how many Jay had? Jay had a total of 18 tackles, 10 solo. Wow. And Nick had 13, 8 solo. Yep. That's, a lot of, that's a lot of tackles, isn't it? A lot of tackles for a couple of linebackers, a couple of poor yeah. linebackers. Well, the only thing worse than your linebackers having a lot of tackles would be your safeties to have a lot of tackles because yep. that meant the ball was going further downfield. The fact that our linebackers were our leading tacklers – Suggest at least that the defense was hanging in there. You know, you think about it, if they have 97 snaps, then it's kind of hard to imagine that they don't have 500 yards, but they didn't. How many yards did they end up with? Less than four, maybe? Who, who are we talking about now? Talking about Penn State's offense. How many total yards? Total yards, uh, 397. 397. How many explosive plays? Not that many. You know, they just 40 yarded us to death. Yeah, uh, let's see. How many explosive plays? How You want to guess how many explosive plays? I bet there couldn't have been more than two or three. Maybe not even that. I can't remember a 20-yard-plus play. I'm sure they had one or two, but not many. Um. Are you going down the individual for long gains? Yes, I am. How many? They didn't have an explosive play. Not one. Now, see, that's a bright spot. (laughs) How does a team snap the ball 97 times and not have a play over 20 yards? That's that's an endorsement of the defense for not giving up big plays. So let's talk about how bad the Iowa defense was. They didn't give up a single explosive play, and they were were out in the field the entire game. We had an an issue with – Critical downs, obviously. Sure. Well, no, no. Let's let's quantify that. We had an issue with fourth down. They were pretty good on third down, Don. Okay. So so often it was a conversion on fourth down. How many fourth down attempts they have? Uh, let's see here. They had. Well, you're so much good at reading through these. See, they were see, okay. They they were they were decent on third down. They were nine of twenty on third down. But on well, four, nine, and 20, nine and 20 is pretty good. Well, they were if you're 45%, you're better than average. They were four of four on fourth down. Those are the ones that seem to really hurt. Okay, and the way I figured, of course, I just combined those two. So they're, they're, they're um, 13, 13 for 24, right. more than 50%. That's not good enough on critical downs. That's good enough to get you made. You're not, you know, you're not doing a good job of getting off the field. And so there's credit to Penn State. And there's some blame assigned to us, of course. CJW, they win eight games because they're in the Big Ten West, just beating up on the worst division in football, getting stomped by everyone else. I can assure you, CJ, all that's going to change, even if you're correct in saying that. That is going to change in 2024 because the divisions are going away and we're in for a whole new game starting next year. I think it's good for the. I think it's good for the program. I think it's good for the program because I, I don't. I've kind of gotten tired of beating up on a week schedule, Don. Frankly, I just, I just have. I, I'm, I'm as a fan. Here's what I'm tired of, Don. I'm tired of being in games like this against what we perceive to be a marquee opponent, 
and getting trounced and getting trashed and thrashed. I'm getting tired of that. Tired of seeing it in 2022 against Ohio State and, you know, 2021 against Michigan and now 2023 against Penn State. And, you know, I'm just tired of that. Stanford in 2015 after the 12 and 0 season, you know, they get thrashed in the Rose Bowl. It just, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, uh, I think you you kind of understand where I'm coming from with this. Uh, the schedule makes out for a you know eight to ten win season almost every year, right? But you, the the ceiling is it's like your 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 movement is stays between these two lines, right? Your ceiling's here, your floor is here, and you're always going to get something in between. So yeah, you're never you're not going to be Nebraska down here. Or Northwestern, but you're also never until you figure something, until you change something, you're never going to be Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, even Wisconsin, who's achieved a lot more in the modern era than Iowa has on a national right. stage. I'm talking about Rose Bowls and and just na- national relevance. Yeah, one of my concerns going forward, if I'm assuming there are only going to be nine conference games for each team in the Big Ten. We don't know that, but just think about this. As of next year, there'll be 17, 17 opponents within the conference that you might play. If you only play nine of them, you play nine and there's eight you don't play, you're going to, how are, how in God's name are you going to schedule that so that it appears to be fair? Now, you know what the NFL does. If you're one of the better teams, you get a little tougher schedule. And, and the thought process is, well, we have got to, we got to give these teams that are down. We got to give them a fighting chance, so the teams that are down one year will get a little softer schedule the next. That's how the NFL does it. I don't think it's done that way in college football. Um, but obviously, any way you slice it, it's got to be really complicated. Imagine trying to come up with schedules for all eighteen teams that have similar degree of difficulty. It's going to be hard to do. Uh, Mark, uh, appreciate you becoming a, a YouTube member and appreciate the super chat. And also this super chat, he says the ability to recruit offensive players is now at risk. And he goes on to say, with this super chat, how important is a QB's coach to getting quality recruits and can he operate free of the offensive coordinator? And of course, at Iowa, quarterback's coach is the offensive coordinator. And most places, the QB's coach is the offensive coordinator. Now, there are exceptions to the rule. Keep in mind, Brian was a tight ends coach for a while and the OC. Um, right. You think of a guy like Josh Gaddis, who's known as a wide receivers coach, um, but also a, a, a well, respected coordinator, I think, in some realms. But how can you? How do you answer Mark's question there, Don? How important is it for a QB coach? How, how influential is a QB's coach in, in getting recruits home? And, and can he operate free of the O coordinator in some way? Well, let's face it, there are only two people that touch the football on every play, uh, the center and the quarterback. And and um, Coach Fry used to say the quarterback is the carburetor to our engine in our car. And if the carburetor is not, not adjusted right, then the car is not going to run very smoothly. So, you know, that's the job of the quarterback is to facilitate the offense to be sure the car runs smoothly. And if you don't have a good quarterback, then you got you got you got a car that's sputtering and and not operating with any kind of efficiency. Not going to win many races with a a bad carburetor in your car. And um, and not to mention, of course, uh, a quarterback if he's if he's um, a marquee player and he's proven himself already, he can be uh, 
uh, a valuable asset to you in recruiting other players to play offense. Clearly, if you're lucky enough to have a sophomore that's an all-conference player and you think he's going to stay around for a couple more years, then he should be a real asset to you to help you in recruiting. And the same could be said for a, maybe an all-conference linebacker or all-conference um, safety. Uh, all-conference player really in any position should be an asset to you in recruiting. Um, that's especially true of quarterbacks and especially true of defensive players in general because, let's face it, on every play, the defensive player has a chance to find his way to the football uh, versus an offensive lineman, of course, that primarily is only going to be able to block the guy he's supposed to block. And as you've heard me say before, Corey, that's why having one great lineman doesn't get you very far because the question is how did all five of those guys do in accounting for five defenders. That's that's what they're asked to do on every play. Let's go back to our Iowa Smokehouse call-in line. And uh, David, appreciate the uh, super or the uh, Venmo donation from David here a couple minutes ago. I, I try to give those people their due. Appreciate that. And David, we're going to welcome you to the show. David. Appreciate the uh, super or the uh, Venmo donation from David here Hello? a couple minutes David? ago. I, I try to give those people Hello. Hello. Nice. Uh, pleasure to meet you guys again. You, you're you're you gotta you're delayed. You're delayed. You gotta turn your television off, David, because you're way behind. It might be delayed. I don't know. It's, it's delayed, David. Can you turn your television off and turn your computer up or your phone up? Yeah. Sorry, I'll I'll turn it off. Give me two seconds. Okay, we're going to come back to David here in a second. Let's go. Uh, we're, we're, we'll come right back to you, David. Uh, you get that figured out, and we'll come back. Let's go to Corey. All right, with Smokehouse calling line. Corey, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> All right, I'm. I'm still battling for Kirk, and I just want to list off a name of name or a list of names here. See if you guys recall any of these names. And you answer to me whether or not you think they have been better options than Kirk Ferentz. <clears throat> right. Lovey Smith, Jerry Kills, Brett Bielema, Scott Frost, Pat Fitzgerald, PJ Fleck, Tim Beckman. Ron Zook, Ron Turner, Tracy Clays, Glenn Mason, John Makovic. And these are just a few of the guys that have come and gone. And had a guy like Ference been let go and replaced, these are the types of characters that have existed in the Big Ten West. And how many of these would you have preferred having over Kirk Ferentz? I wouldn't prefer any of them. I don't know what your point is, though. My, <clears throat> my point is to a lot of these fans, I think it's easy to take Kirk Ferentz for granted and to to want to look beyond Kirk Ferentz, 
but I think that we're <clears throat> we're a little bit spoiled and we've had a lot of good years and I think that it's not really as easy to win in the Big Ten as everybody thinks. A lot of people find this out. Look at P.J. Fleck. Look at Breck, excuse me, Brett Bielema. Um, whether it's a Lovey Smith. Hold on, who's a Hold on a second. P.J. Fleck and Brett Bielema aren't in their 60s. That's a totally erroneous comparison. Kirk Ferentz has been here 23 years, 24 years. That's a terrible comparison. I guess I guess what I'm saying is guys aren't you aren't just terminating coaches and guys are coming in and replacing them. It's not easy. Look at Nebraska. They've struggled. They've gone through multiple coaches and they're still not there. And so the answer, you know, is not, in my opinion, the answer is not to fire Kirk Ferentz. I think that Kirk Ferentz I think where the downfall has occurred is after the kidney rhabdomyolysis problem they experienced, it seems like the line strength has diminished. The training seems to be a little bit at a lo lower level. Um, the line has performed at a lower level ever since that occurred, almost like, and then Doyle left. And then, so to me, I think Kirk is sitting here waiting for his line to get back to where it used to be. And it just hasn't done that. Well, that's but the I problem. Think, he can't be sitting back waiting for the line to get back to where it used to be 15 years ago. That's the problem. If he's going to sit back and wait for it, ain't going to, it's never going to happen. But, but to say that his um, offense is predictable, if you have a good game, and you have a play action, uh, play fake, that's not predictable. It's just like an RPO. You don't know if the guy's getting the ball or not. So if, if you're running play fakes and play action, it's effective. It's not – you. they can't read what you're doing. Um, also, the RPO requires a mobile quarterback. We have not – which is first, the chicken or the egg? Can we get a mobile quarterback? Oh, we got to run an RPO system in order to recruit one? I mean, I just think he works with what he's got. We don't have mobile quarterbacks. We can effectively run the play action. And we say, oh, well, you got your players, Kirk. What's your excuse now? Well, he's really got worse than Spencer Petrus for a quarterback right now because Cade is not mobile. And Cade is pressured every play. There's no time. And so I don't understand. Uh, to me, it's blatant. We still don't. We started to show a semblance of an offensive line, but we still are not there. That offensive line, look at Mason Richmond. I love the guy, but he got owned tonight. He was absolutely owned by 44. Cade's blind side was attacked nonstop. And Cade is not mobile. He's hobbled out there. Not to mention his plant leg is hobbled. So I just think you really have what does he did Kirk get all of his pieces and now there's no more excuses. Okay, first off, the season's not over.
Kirk tends to round the guys up and get them to produce after a, a bad loss. Secondly, hey, guess what, Corey? The offense has sucked for three years. So don't, I don't want to hear about this crap about four games. They've sucked. Ever since 2020, they have sucked. And and you're right. And the offensive line has sucked. The offensive yeah. line. Yeah. Hey, Kirk Ferentz is a what coach? An offensive line coach? He's supposed to be an O-line guru? Well, and George Bach. Three years? Whose fault is that? Well, it's they're not getting the players. He's not getting Whose the players. Whose fault is that? Whose fault is that they're not getting the players? Who well, recruits the go. players, dude? Who recruits the players? Well, they're not get. If you look at it, Wisconsin started pulling the three hundred and twenty pounds six six guys. We're getting the, we're getting the guys that are two eighty, and we can get them up to three hundred. But they're they're just getting bull rushed and manhandled. So yeah, so whose whose fault is that that they're the, not recruiting the right players, Corey? The 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 fault if there's fault that lies on Kirk Ferentz. It's the effectiveness of getting the offensive line recruits. We lost Caden Proctor. We got a. We've got an excellent recruit coming in, uh, 2024, 2025. Um, but we're not getting enough of them. We're getting, we're getting one of them. We're not getting five. So and, whose fault is that? I've said it like five times, Corey. Whose yeah. fault is that? That they're not getting those guys. My point is that. What's the your recru- The recruiting is where. We are not effective. Okay, it, so he can't recruit. If he can't recruit, then I guess he can't be here anymore because that's a big part of being a college football coach is recruiting. Well, hopefully the NIL provides an option there. So that's why I'm not willing to quit on Kirk. Okay, And, right. and sec- secondly, we did have a mass exodus of guys and injuries. But we had Caden Proctor, and then we didn't. We we had Tyler Linderbaum, but we just haven't seemed to put five guys together. We've gotten one or two elite guys, but we can't get five elite guys. And yeah, the time's ticking. And 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 you know, Kirk is under the gun here. But I think that we're we're all anti-scheme. But to me, I don't see fault in the scheme. I see. An offensive line that has failed to produce a run game. Look at Wisconsin. They can produce a run game. We cannot. We've done gap scheme. We've done outside zone. We've done different run schemes, but it's the players that play. And we are getting undersized guys that, that are not collectively effective as a unit. And it's the offensive line. You look at any quarterback that gets no time, can't be effective. I don't care who they are. If we had an RPO system and we had a mobile quarterback, then I think, yeah, there is that opportunity because now you can get away with a lesser line. But... Is that realistic? I don't think that's happening. Let's, Corey, do you want to do you want to get Don's opinion, the former offensive coordinator? Yeah, yeah, yeah I would. I, I I need to stop talking and and I'll listen now. Don, go ahead. Can you comment on some of this? Because obviously, and I don't mean that, Corey. I don't mean to come off on you strong, but 
you know, we're, we're talking about recruiting. I just, I, I'm tired of the excuses. If we're talking about personnel and not having good enough personnel, then it comes back to coaches not recruiting the right people or not developing the right people. If it comes down to scheme, the coaches are in charge of the scheme. Like, this is college football. I don't know, like, Don, am I in the wrong? Am I putting too much onus on coaching staff as it relates to all these issues? No, you've already heard me say that I'd like to believe that the coaches share in the responsibility for moving the football on offense. Players and coaches share that responsibility. Uh, talking about mobile quarterbacks, we used to always recruit combination quarterbacks, we called them. Matt Rogers is a good example. He was a two-time first-team All-Big Ten quarterback. If you go back and look, in the 90 and 91 seasons, Matt Rogers had positive yardage as a runner. I don't know what his numbers were, but I guarantee you he ran for two or 300 yards, if not more. I don't recall how much. We didn't run him all the time, but he was mobile enough where he was still a threat on cue draw. He was a threat on option. He was able to extend plays because he had good athleticism and good movement. We recruited a guy that could run. Had to be able to run. He didn't have to be the, like a running back, but he had to be at least average to above average in terms of his ability to run, his ability to escape a pass rush. You don't want to play with an immobile quarterback. And and I think Cade would be fine as long as he was healthy. He's simply not healthy now, so he's less than 100%. He's not more mobile. He's a little bit of a sitting duck back there right now because he's not at full strength with how, how he can avoid uh, pass rush. That's where we are. Um, so it puts a little extra pressure on the old line. But there are ways for the coaches to help. You've already heard me talk about play-action pass on third and short. Play-action pass more on first down, maybe, since we're high-percentage run on first down. Uh, and for that matter, using extra blockers to be able to secure the edge so that we don't have to have five receivers out. Maybe we only have three receivers out, or in some cases, even only two. Let's face it, if you're throwing the ball way down the field, how about this for a concept? High-low versus a free safety. Post route on one side, dig route on the other. If the post route's open, throw it. If it's not open, it's because of the free safety. Look down to the dig route. It's probably open, especially if you got good play action, especially way, if you have time to throw. By the way, Corey, Kyle in our private chat brings up, you, you made a comment about how the line isn't big enough. They average 308 pounds. The starters are an average of 308 pounds up front. And... <clears throat> What's what's Wisconsin? What's what are the big dogs? They're rolling in at 320, 325. To be honest with you, you're not gonna measure an offensive line just by what they weigh. I'll promise you. I've seen a lot of lousy football players that weigh three twenty. You better have a guy that can move his feet. I'd rather no, have I, a guy that can move his feet that weighs two ninety. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you there, Don. I I uh, I just think um, we're comparing a hobbled Cade McNamara to a healthy Cade McNamara. Come on, 50% to 70%. Let's get a little more uh, honest in our assessment here and compare apples to apples. Cade McNamara is a shell of what he was. When you're, when you're injured and you're in pain, it affects you mentally. It affects your performance. I've already acknowledged not. that. I've already acknowledged that. I don't blame Cade for how the game went today. 
I thought Caden was just a victim of circumstance. He was unprotected back there far too often. He took a beating. He took too many hits last week, too. I don't have a problem with Cade. I just wish we had a healthy Cade because we'd have a better we'd have a better offense if he was more healthy. And I don't know when he's going to get healthy now because there's a game every Saturday. He wants to be part of that. You know, maybe looking back, maybe we should have rested him last week. We'll never know if that would have been a better solution. But it was what I mentioned, and Corey was right. Maybe maybe an eight day rest doesn't help. I don't know. The one thing I said a week ago. Kirk will make the right decision based on doctor's input. If it makes sense to sit Cade a week ago, then we would have set him. It probably means that eight days didn't seem to matter too much in the eyes of the doctor. Well, I, I got to let you know, Corey, I know you were on hold for a long, long time. So I, I, I didn't want to cut you off. I do appreciate you being here again. Uh, I, I, I'm not trying to come down hard on you. I respect your opinion on this. And I, I appreciate where you're coming from and defending what Kirk Ferentz has done here. I, I think he's a wonderful human being and a very good coach. At some point, all good things do come to an end. I'm not saying we're to that point, but at some point, uh, I, I just would encourage any fan like yourself to not necessarily marry yourself to the idea of going down with the ship. Because all good things do come to an end at some point. As it relates yeah. to coaches. Yeah, I, I sense that. I mean, I, I was there when Hayden Fry was retiring, and it was time. And I think that um, – I don't think it's time yet for Kirk. I think that, yeah, it's going to be – it's come. It's close. I mean, he doesn't have more than five years, that's for sure. But uh, I think that we owe him the opportunity to correct uh, – things and and i agree with don i i i think that's legitimate uh scrutiny towards brian ference and or kirk um why not go with the max protect when you're getting crushed back there at least to give Cade some time i do agree with that what i'm saying is a lot of these fans that are talking about oh we've got to scrap this whole system we need a new scheme I question that. I think if we had effective uh, guys up front, um, I think that if we get the run game going and we work the play action off of it, we are – that can be a lethal offense. It's just, uh, you know, it seemed like maybe they were going to turn the corner and then they, they've kind of stumbled. Now, is it because Penn State's an elite defense and it made them look foolish – tonight but maybe they uh they show that they will turn the corner i suspect we're going to see a much better situation next week and i will be there in kinnick i will be by my eight hour drive and i will be there with my son and i will be there and i will be loud and i will be proud and uh go hawks and hey by the way I've worn out my welcome here, um, taking too much time, but I, you guys have the best show um, of all the different uh, game reviews and, and different uh, coverages, productions, post-game, pre-game. You guys are fantastic. I think you're a great team, and I really appreciate um, uh, Don's perspective as well, just from – I mean, he's he's 
he's seen it all. He's been, he's, he was there, you know, during the fry period of time and he's seen it um, move to the Ference, through the Ference era. And uh, I think he's a wealth of knowledge and I respect it greatly. And, and um, what a great reference to have on your show. And uh, so I just, I get increasingly frustrated with uh, the knee-jerk responses of these fans. And, you know, after a bad game or a bad quarter, it's, you know, automatically fire this, fire that. And I think if we look west to Nebraska, they're a little bit more knee-jerk, and it hasn't worked out well for them. It really hasn't. And so I guard against that. I think that if you want to build something, it requires stability and longevity of staff to sit there and fire someone every five years, you tear it down before you even have a chance to build it. It takes time to build something meaningful. And that's why I'm hesitant to tear this thing down. And um, with that, I'll, I'll hush up here and wish you guys a great day. And uh, we're, going, we're going to pick apples tomorrow at, in a few hours. So there you um, go. I will drink the cider and I'll continue to drink the Hawkeye cider as well. And the Kirk Ferentz cider. Well, um, I, I fully support him. And I say, just like Hayden Fry, when, it, when he chooses to go, that's when he should go. And uh, that's my feeling. So. Well, thank you for the call, Corey. Appreciate you uh, supporting the show. Do appreciate that. And uh, he's not alone. There, there's a lot of fans. Uh, um, I mean, you're a Kirk Ferentz fan. Don, I'm a Kirk Ferentz fan. Absolutely. Nobody one, thing, Corey, one thing you've always heard me say, fans tend fans tend to overreact. Absolutely. Uh, a week ago, we were thinking that we were King Kong because we ran for a lot of yards against Western Michigan. You use the word context, and you're right. So it's never as good as you think you are. You're never as good as you think you are. You're never as bad as you think you are either. Right now, Based on tonight's performance, we don't think we're very good. We're better than than what people might think. Uh, and we'll prove that going forward because we do have high character on this football team. And the, the coaches have worked to correct the mistakes of the players. And um, I'm confident we're going to have a win next weekend. It's not going to be easy. We're still going to have to go out and win it. Obviously, Michigan State's probably encouraged to think they can beat us based on looking at – the Penn State game, they're going to feel that way. That's okay. They still got to do it. And I like our chances here in front of our crowd. We'll have the same home field advantage, hopefully, this weekend that Penn State had tonight. Jeffrey in this, uh, with the Super Chat. Thank you, Jeffrey. Brian was never really qualified as an OC when promoted. He had never called plays and has proven he doesn't have it. No creativity and predictability. Five-year science project is over. Kirk has to take off the blinders. Appreciate uh, the super chat, Jeffrey. And uh, yeah, I don't really think it's a disrespectful comment to be made. And by the way, to our last Corey who called in and made the comment. And I, again, I appreciate Corey listening to the show. Appreciate his take. I will say this. When, he's, when people like Corey say, well, I think Kirk deserves an opportunity to fix this. Let's just make clear. He is being given the opportunity. He has been given the opportunity. Like they were bad in 2021. Nobody was calling for Kirk Ferentz to be fired. Not reasonable people. Brian wasn't fired. They again sucked in 2022. And they were worse in 2022. Once again, Kirk, there there was no pressure on Kirk. 
Brian was not fired. He was allowed to re- any other coordinator in the country would have been ousted. Brian was not. He was allowed. So Kirk has had time to fix this. He's being given time. He's been given time. Let's not act like we just, you know, this is a total knee jerk response. The offensive struggles. This is a long time coming. So, um, yeah, maybe there's some knee jerk reaction to tonight specifically, but that's, that's my two cents. Let's go to our phone line. We got a caller who's been on hold, like, <laughs> literally coming up on two hours <laughs> thank you for calling iowa post game with coach don patterson or iowa smokehouse call in line are you still awake caller oh how you doing hi hey, is this who is this this is bronco hey there how's it going <laughs> hey you're doing getting good, popular man. like old taylor getting popular like old taylor swift i think yep right up there with taylor. for a while yeah how are you? I'm happy for you. Happy, happy things are going good. Good. I'm, 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 I'm good. All things considered, is Do- is Don still there? I can't see the uh, Don still can't there. Can't see you guys. Yep, he's still here. All right. Well, I have a, I, I have a gift for both of you this week. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll give Don his gift first. Is that okay? Sure. Uh, okay, Don, your gift is a compliment, and that is that. Uh, I think that you're. Uh, you know, very qualified person with a lot of experience. And uh, you sit around and listen to uh, a whole bunch of us, me included, who, you know, probably don't know as much as you've forgotten in your life, but you're always uh, extremely polite. And uh, and uh, I just appreciate you. So I wanted to start off by telling Thank you. Thank you, Bronco. I appreciate that. You betcha. Um, Corey. Corey, your gift is a whole bunch of numbers. It's not going to take me long to go over them, but I was thinking as I was putting these together, if I lived closer to you, you could hire me. We could split that uh, Iowa floor coverings money, and I could buy a big old house out in Council Bluffs and watch the dogs run around. Wow. All right, you ready for, for <laughs> ready for my numbers? I'm ready. Okay, so my numbers this time are um, – I was just looking and comparing our offense um, from last year to this year through the first four games. And I just looked at a couple of numbers. I had to do all the math myself, but I think I'm pretty close. I couldn't find them all compiled. So uh, pass yards. Um, the pass yards through Spencer's first four games last year, he had thrown for 524 yards. Cade at this point is thrown for 459. Cade has better numbers, four touchdowns. He did have three INTs. Spencer, one touchdown, two interceptions. I thought that was an interesting number because, um, you know, it's hard to really compare uh, the scoring offense year over year. We have scored more points this year. But, um, you know, defense sets up short fields, special teams, uh, you know, last year, South Dakota State, two safeties and a field goal. So I didn't have time to suss out where all the points came from. Um, but I thought that total yards, it's, it's, it's not a tell-all, but I just think it's interesting, maybe worthwhile to just kind of kick around and consider. So um, rushing yards, well, rushing yards were, were, uh, were a little bit ahead of the pace. Last year, we were at 406. This year we're at 474. But the thing that I found interesting 
is that uh, just comparing year over year with as bad as we thought the offense was last year and uh, as bad as they told us the personnel was and as improved as they told us the offensive line was and our personnel was this year, we're we're only off. I mean, the difference is 53 yards, 53 total yards. Last year we were, we were at 929 and this year we're at 982. So this is where I get to do my favorite. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, Sorry. I was gonna say, they didn't have a Penn. They didn't have a Penn State this early in the year last year. Who did they play? Who, who were their first four games last year? South Dakota State, <coughs> Iowa State, Nevada, and then their home opener was who? Or their was uh, Big Ten opener? Yeah, you got to give me a minute. My brain doesn't work that quick. You guys can jump in if you have it. I just did the stats too, so I should remember. But Don, who'd they play? I, I can't recall. Okay, well, yeah. it wasn't somebody like Penn State because Michigan didn't come until a few weeks later in the season. I'm sure somebody in the chat will will have it for us. But um, yeah, no, those are those are concerning. How do you how do you? Uh, I know it's not apples to apples, Don, but those are kind of startling stats when you see the numbers from. And I don't. Again, I stand by what I said. I, I think that Kate is a huge upgrade over Spencer Petrus in this offense. But the problem is we're not seeing much of a difference as it relates to results because of so many problems around Cade. And maybe part of that's the injury that he's dealing with the quad. Certainly, there's still offensive line problems. I think there's still schematical problems, play calling problems, etc. None of us expected all those things to be changed. But we did say that, hey, this is going to be an upgrade because you're upgrading personnel at this position, the most important position in the field. So, Don, just your, your take to those, your reaction to those stats. I don't think they mean a whole lot yet. You know, four games does not make a season, not nearly. Um, you know, to me, you, you really don't have a, a very good picture until you talk about at least six games, half a season or more. Let's see. I'm trying to find 2022. Well, you're doing that, yeah, really. Uh Rutgers. Rutgers was game four, and that was a, a decent defense, but not a not a great defense. Well, we yeah, scored. my best friend Amy went for a mini break in Edinburgh. We scored. It was quite surreal. Sorry about that. I don't know. It's not for me. On the defense, right? Well, so, sorry, Don. Start over again. I, I was getting distracted by the the ad playing in the background. <laughs> yeah, really. Go ahead. What were you saying? Um, we scored twenty seven against Rutgers, but fourteen was on the part of the defense, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess I would agree with 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 that, Bronco. I mean, four games is four games. Uh, Rutgers is a big difference in playing Rutgers Big Ten opener than. In Penn State, but but I do think your point stands, and I think we're going to look back. I, what did I say? Anybody remember what I had to say? Anybody at all remember what I had to say about Cade prior to the season? I said Cade McNamara is going to be disappointing a lot of Hawkeye fans this year. Does anybody remember me saying that? I made that comment a couple of times because I mean I think you and I both probably felt that way, Don, because a lot of Iowa fans put him up here and expected him to just be the savior of this offense, and we've said for. 
We've said for the last two years that multiple problems requires multiple solutions. I can't believe I'm still saying that. I said that two years ago. I said multiple right. problems required multiple solutions. And they've made some you know, solutions with personnel at quarterback and maybe some adjustments at wide receiver. they got so many problems, Don. That and we not- had the disadvantage of not having a K McNamara that was 100% healthy. That too, absolutely. Um, but that's not an excuse because they got a lot of other issues. And um, that's how I would sum that up, Bronco. I mean, I, I, I we'll see what happens at the end of the year. We look back, but unfortunately, uh, some of the benefits you're going to get from an upgraded quarterback are going to be overshadowed by some of the ridiculous shortcomings that apparently this offense still suffers from. Yeah, I, and you know, I mean, look, look. I know that numbers are tricky, and they don't, they don't. They don't tell the whole story, but but I would feel very comfortable, very comfortable, in making a, a bet with with either of you that the rest of the season Penn State will not hold another team to seventy six yards, regardless of who it is that they play. I mean, the fact that we generate such little offense, I think I think the point is kind of different. I don't think the point is that we we've had this terrible offense through four games but Penn State is part of that mix so we should I think it proves that it doesn't matter who we play like we just literally can't get it together I mean because my point isn't that the numbers were somehow worse this year and the Kate is I mean anybody with two eyes can see Kate is better I mean he's throwing the, the joke is that he's throwing a better incomplete pass right now than Spencer is but <laughs> I'm glad was. you can at least I, stop and admit that because there are some people who literally I mean, they're literally done are people who are saying, why hasn't Deacon get to play? <laughs> yeah, anyways, yeah. go on, Bronco. <laughs> well, well, I'm just, I, my, my, my point is that, that I just don't, you know, it's, it's like, I feel again, you know, every time I call you, it winds up at Brian Ferentz, but it, it does because to me at this point, it's like, okay, has he figured out how to do the same with more talent? Or has he figured out how to do less with more talent? Because I think we can all see that. I mean, I feel like the receiving core is upgraded. Caleb Brown is like the highest rated receiver I think Iowa's had come in in years. And they're not even utilizing him. You know, Seth Anderson's look good when they throw him the ball. But at one point, I don't know how the game ended, but at one point tonight they said Nico was the only wide receiver with a reception. They had one reception for four yards with the wide receivers. Deontay Vines had one reception late. Yeah, so it's just you know. I mean, I'm gonna keep the way, doing this no, until no tar- it's done because I just feel like we need to. Zero targets for Caleb yeah. Brown, one target for Seth Anderson. Yeah, that's unacceptable. That's that's unacceptable. And they ran that inside screen five times. I think tonight it didn't work at all. What I see is just there's. Not, I mean, we talked about it already in previous weeks, but there's zero in-game adjustments happening. Zero. I can't see a single thing that they do differently in the third quarter from what they did in the first quarter. It's like they're pulling out the same, like they're pulling out the same plays and just, they just keep, keep going through them. And so I think that that's, you know, I've, I've, I've listened to the whole show up until just about a couple of minutes ago. And, and I've heard a lot of people come in and say things that, that are head scratching, but I guess that's what makes this show uh, interesting. We're all a little bit different, but I, I appreciate your time and I love, you know, love that I'm having to wait longer because it means that more people are listening to you guys and 
they're listening to you guys because you you talk about common sense things and common sense ways, and we just appreciate you. So Thanks, I'll go Marco. ahead and cut you loose so you guys can go to bed. Thank you, Thank sir. You, Marco. And um, by the way, our RTI uh, Threads player of the game, Nick Jackson, 13 tackles, eight solo, two and a half for loss. And I bring him up a couple of times, not only because RTI Threads is sponsoring our, our player of the game coverage throughout the year, but also first couple of games, especially game one against Utah State, people kind of express concern about him not acclimating himself to Big Ten football. I, I just think he's all of a sudden he's he's clicking. He just seems to be in the right spot at the right time. Now, maybe I, maybe you can tell me what happened on the, the touchdown on the uh, – it looked like maybe Nick Jackson fell behind. Uh, I'm trying to think of the play. I think it was to a tight end in the end zone down in the red zone. Might have been the touchdown that made it – was it the touchdown that made it 17-0 or 24-0? One of those two. Misdirection, I think. I, I'm trying to think back. Oh, to the for a minute. One of them was what we refer to as why hide. Remember he rolled right? Right. Threw back to the tight end across yep. the field. That's a good play. You know, the tight end gets lost because he starts off as a blocker, and then they clear out the other side of the field with the, with an over route, and then the tight end slips out late. That's a good play that's hard to defend. I don't know if you're talking about that one. When we, there was another one to a tight end also. I believe that's the one. I'm, was Nick Jackson beat on that play? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I don't recall. Uh, you know, I haven't really studied it. Of course, I just looked at it in real time. But I, I will say this. I think uh, in, in terms of problems, I think number 10 and number 34 are really far down the list of our problems. Agreed. Those guys play just fine. We're not going to have any problem with the play of those two. They're going to be just fine. They're going to play winning football against maybe every team on our schedule from here on out. And maybe you can even argue that they played winning football tonight too. They were both very productive. They made a lot of tackles. Um, it wasn't enough, of course, because we had other issues on both sides of the ball. But it looked like they were certainly doing their part. I thought they competed and competed hard throughout. Um. Should we try to go back to David? Should we should we try to go back to David? Let's see if we've got David on the line or Iowa Smokehouse calling. Right. David. All right. So here's what I saw problematic, to be honest. One, uh, the moment that we gave up 10 points, I knew we were in a bad spot. Our defense had been out on the field for far too long far too long I, I i my wife loves to like prop our position up like our uh, like go iowa yeah 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 and i was like honey we're gonna lose this game we're gonna, i mean i want to bet on the game but it doesn't matter i wanted the moment i knew we're not gonna score a point i was right about that was that a, a wager with your wife then? Was she betting we were going to score? <laughs> well, well, she didn't know that I, I put the bet in, but it was a $5 bet, if you will. But either way, it doesn't really matter. The thing is, is that I knew we weren't going to score. Like, here's you, when we lost the game, we lost it on Kirk Ferentz, in my opinion. Everybody wants to protect him. 
I will say the honest truth. In my opinion, because I was so mad. A helmet doesn't get a first down. A helmet does not get a first down. A ball does. Now, a ball is about, I would say, uh, let's say 1.5 feet behind the helmet. Let's utilize that for common sense. Because if someone's holding a football, that should not have happened. Like that fourth down conversion, in which turned in to seven points, should not have happened. Don, That's the reality. Should that have been challenged by Kirk Ferentz, the fourth down? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did he challenge anything? Don, did you, do you think that should have been challenged? I don't know for sure that it. Are we, do we know for sure that it can be challenged? He was looking at challenging the idea of somebody sitting on their ass and maybe bobbling a ball after the fact. So that was after the fact, but before the fact, there was a reality. Like he did not make that first down. I know that. Like, come on. His head, his head got to the first down. That's true. But the, the ball was lagging behind the head, of course. Uh, if it's if it's something that can be challenged, yes, it should have been challenged. Early in the game, what was the score at the time? Problem is you can't see. <laughs> the score at the time? The score at the time was three to zero. Okay. And that fourth down put it to ten to zero. Yeah. The problem, Don, is that you if they review that, you cannot see clearly where the ball is. Correct. So you can see where the head is? Zoom where the head is, but if you can't see the ball, they're not going to overturn that. I'm just telling you what they're going to do. They're not going to overturn yeah. how many over, how, how, how many challenges did he use the entire game? None, but he, he's also thinking if I use how many timeouts does it matter in the first half? Also thinking he's also thinking that if I use a challenge here, I'm going to burn a timeout if I'm wrong. So he's trying to conserve timeouts in that situation, and he's being reasonable and saying, "Hey, it's it's not going to get overturned." I understand that you're trying to protect him on this position, but what I will say is this: in the first half, it doesn't matter about that. Was a pivotal moment, not even allowing his. I mean, come on. This is what I would say. Not even giving him the opportunity or or the people who stopped it, his own players who stopped it. They did stop it. You know that. I. The announcer said it. Here's the reality. Those wing officials that are running in, it's a massive humanity in there. Good luck even finding the ball. The bottom, I get line, it. the bottom line, you're at the mercy of the officials. They're doing the best they can to figure out forward progress. But Correct. it's, it's going to be difficult for them to declare it as something other than what they saw at the moment because the replay is not going to show anything. I agree. Well, show nothing? Nothing, yeah. Did you see I a think, single I angle? I think on certain games, things have changed on that position. That play was a big pileup of bodies, and you couldn't find a football in there off camera. Well, I can tell you that his head got to the first down. 
Do you think they're going to? They simply couldn't. By video, you could not identify the forward progress of the football. You couldn't. I think yeah. they got a favorable spot. What did you but think about? What did you think about the forward progress? The whistle blown, Don. Uh, what did you think about that when uh, when the ball got stripped and Iowa was returning the other way on that same drive? The problem with that play, we really don't know. The bottom line: when did the whistle blow? Forward progress is is stopped. Whistle blows. It's hard to tell what that is. You couldn't you couldn't hear a whistle, of course. So I don't know. Uh, that's the problem with that kind of review. It's it's clearly a judgment call as to when the when the whistle should blow. Sometimes they're late with the whistle, giving the ball carrier more time than he deserves to try to find his way downfield. And then other times, maybe the whistle blows too early rather than too late. So I don't know when the whistle blows. That's the problem. I told my wife we lost the game probably actually before that. But it doesn't really matter. I kind of knew. Like, yeah. it's easy to know when Iowa loses. Yeah, we're the one with the smaller number on the scoreboard, right? <laughs> no, trust me, man. It's easier to know when you really know Iowa football. And when you study Iowa football, as well as I have at least, well, tell me, David, you know that there are only a few things that can help you. What's your well, secret like, to like, when I was going to lose? Well, here's the thing, right? How, how well can the defense defend Don um, on the field all the time? The longer we stay out there, the harder it gets. Yep. And how hard does the defense have to fight all the time? How easy can an offense fight? Because they know exactly what they're doing. Can offense kind of play off and be a little bit less uh, aggressive, knowing exactly what's going on? When the defense has to play 100% all the time, maybe? Don or uh, David, thank you for your uh, your venom. That's a curious question. I, I just want the answer. You want the answer now. You, you, want, the answer and you want the answer now. The ball is in your corner, Corey. What was the question? <laughs> what was the, the question? Qu is is if a defense? Well, let's put it this way: is super simple. I know that for betting, like super simple. When a when somebody gets behind a defense, okay, never mind. All right, David. A defense like Iowa, a defense like Iowa cannot win when it's so obvious you have to pass. <laughs> not only that, but not only that, right. but. Hey, David, uh, I'm going to let you go. You have a good night, and I thank you for the Venmo. I do appreciate that, David. You are setting, you are blazing the trail to creating more donation funds right here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. So everybody follow in David's footsteps send a, a Venmo. You you were able to find the link in the description, David, and you penciled in 20. I wish you had added another zero on the end. I put an 80. I got... Uh, well, you put 80 in there? I didn't see 80. There's an 80 in there as well. Really? You might want to double check your math. Do it when you're sober. I don't want to feel... You know what, my good friend? Yes. The 80, it was already done. Okay. David, get some sleep. 
sunrises tomorrow or in a few more a few hours and we'll I recognize that my good friend. All right, David. Thank you, sir. I I I want, want Sorry. I had to cut you off, David. I'm sorry cuz we we're, we're running out of time here, David. We love you, David, but we're running out of time. Uh super chat here in the chat. Um Mark, how important is a QB? We already got that, didn't we? Uh Jeffrey, we got this one as well. Um Let's see, Zach. Do you even want Iowa to go to the Big Ten ship just to watch this happen again? Can you even stick up for Kirk anymore? It's not on Brian right now. Kirk Ferentz is the head coach. He can make the needed change. Zach, uh, you're not alone in feeling that way. Thank you for the super chat, the donation. Appreciate that. Helps the channel. Mark, it seems that Brian is a victim of OODA loop, whereas our defense and Parker may get scored or, or driven on in the first quarter. Parker adjusts. The defense gets better. The offense is the opposite. Offense should have uh, initiative uh, naturally. Don, can you explain to people who don't know what he's talking about, the OODA loop? That's something you probably are familiar with. I'm not. Well, I had to, I had to Google it when I saw the, the comment here from Mark. Uh, uh, it's a military mental model. Um, huh. Developed by strategist and U.S. Air Force Colonel John Boyd, the OODA loop is a practical concept designed to function as a foundation of rational thinking in confusing or chaotic situations. It stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. Okay. You'll have to do some research on the OODA loop, Don. But uh, Mark, thank you for that. I think there's a lot of truth to what you said there in the, in the Super Chat. Appreciate that. Okay, we're going to take one final commercial break, folks. One final commercial break. We're going to come back with uh, our last few callers, and then we're going to we're going to hit the hay. And if Don's with us, and after this next thirty second break, he'll he'll finish. If not, I'll finish myself. But but we'll be back here with more uh, Iowa post game with Coach Don Patterson recapping Iowa's thirty one to nothing loss to Penn State. We'll be right back. Imagine the possibilities is dedicated to empowering people to reach individual achievement across the spectrum of life. We believe in creating lasting relationships, empowering people for success, and cultivating joy. Our team of passionate people work each day to serve our communities in ways that create a lasting impact. We believe in creating opportunities for people with disabilities to achieve goals, build skills, and celebrate all that's possible. If you want to learn more about us or join our exceptional team, visit us at imagineia.org. We're back here, Iowa Post Game with Coach Don Patterson. Let's get back to our Iowa Smokehouse call in line. Who's on the line? Good morning. All right, let's move on. <laughs> the one time I don't screen, I, I usually screen those calls this late, and I, I decided not to. And uh, let's let's get our uh, let's get our next guy in here, who's supposed to be our moderator. What are you doing, Kyle? You're 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 slacking. <laughs> you're you're also muted. Why are you muted? Let's get you unmuted here. There we go. Can you guys hear me now? I can hear you. Oh, I was I was trying to keep up earlier. There was you're getting about <laughs> looked like 200 comments a minute at the start. It was wild. We, we probably you know a night like tonight it might be wise to have a second moderator, <laughs> someone <laughs> other than yourself trying to moderate the chat. I I had a couple of people I had to restrict. I was trying to mess with some features, so a couple of people got some like 300 second pauses before they could comment, so they could think again before they would speak, but. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, was- thank you for being on hold for so long. And uh, Kyle, Kyle brought up in the chat, or a previous caller who brought up offensive line size at Wisconsin. Um, Kyle says that uh, Wisconsin's approximately three, uh, approximately on average, 313 pounds uh, a player up front. So what about a five pound per player difference? I don't really know that's that substantial. I think that's a load of malarkey that that we we can attribute all of our offensive line issues to not having enough weight on our players, Don. Yeah. You heard me say before, some of the, some of the best linemen I can think of were not 300 plus pounders. Well, you, uh, that includes 290-pound Logan Jones, who's supposed to be the best of the bunch in the weight room, correct? Yeah. yeah. What did Linderbaum weigh? Was he over 300 pounds? What, what was that? Linderbaum. What did Linderbaum weigh? No, he was 295, if I remember correctly. Yeah. You'll see all kinds of guys playing on Sunday that are maybe not over 300. Yeah. I, I mean that the 290 pounds, I mean, if he was, if he was 10 or 20 pounds heavier, that's basically the difference. And he's just as, I would, I bet he's every bit as strong as the 310, 312 pounders on Wisconsin's line. Yeah, so, no, I, I agree. Yeah. I'm uh personally, I'm a little bit glad that I've been on hold for so long because I've had two hours to let my, the temperature of my blood go down since the, <laughs> since the final summary on CBS um, but I've still got some stuff that I'm going to go through just because I spent time looking at it and I think it's just hilarious. So, okay. um, we'll start off with the fact that Tory Taylor punted for 366 yards today. <laughs> I, th- I thought, how that many punts? Seven. How, punts. Many? how many? Seven. Seven. Okay. Um, there have been so far in the first four uh, weeks that I could go through, uh, 282 football games played in the FBS. So 564 team performances so far. And that is the lowest total offense by 25 yards of any of those 564 teams. Wow. I literally went on ESPN and selected FBS and clicked through every single stat sheet to get there. I didn't click through all of them because if they had 14 points or 10 points, it was obvious that they got more than 76 yards, but that was the lowest total offense by any team so far this season. Um, and I think I was, I was trying to find last year. Well, I don't think there was any team that had 50 yards last year either. So, painful stat. A um, couple other ones, as many first downs as turnovers. Uh, the past, in the past five years, not a single team has been out-snapped by 60-plus uh, snaps, and it didn't go back any further than that. Um, but that was well, that was not just Big Ten, Kyle. That was also that was that that was FBS. That was everything. Yeah, FBS. Yeah, I made the comment in the eight years I've done analytics. I'm pretty sure there's never been a Big Ten game that had that disparity in terms of plays run. Oh, I I, I totally agree. I I bet it I bet it goes back far further than that. But that was the only research that was done was for the past five years. So I'd be curious to know how far back that would go. Um, the middle. Yeah. Five- that we had in the football game today, we accounted for negative five yards. And for the, for that period of time, the time of possession in the, in the second and the third quarter, the time of possession was Penn State 25 minutes and 20 seconds, Iowa four minutes and 39 seconds. Um, and 
Penn State ran 53 plays in that span for 227 yards when we were accounting for negative five yards. Um, and we had two hours and 37 minutes between first downs. That's hard to believe. Um, I was okay, uh, can, real quick. So I'll admit that I kind of zoned out while you were talking, Kyle, because it's quarter after one in the morning and I, you know, You're all good. So you brought up the four first downs to 28, right? Yeah. 397 total yards to 76. You brought that up. Yeah. Did you bring up how, maybe I missed it, but did you bring up how uh, Penn State ran more plays than Iowa gained yards? No, I didn't. That's That's another angle. Penn State ran more plays, Don. Than Iowa gained yards. I, I bet that I bet that's another one that coach hasn't seen before. That has to and never somehow, happened. somehow they never had a, an explosive play. We we Think won. We won explosive plays one to zero. Eric all had, Eric all had a twenty yard reception. That was the only explosive <laughs> play in the game. So some was, I will say this is that the fumble too probably was. Uh, no, that was on the first drive of the game. Okay. So I will say this, Don. Uh, I have a decent memory in the last 10 years as it relates to Big Ten football. And somebody made the comment, I was watching the game, and they said, hey, is this the worst you've ever seen? And I said, I don't think so. Uh, go back to 2016. Does anybody remember the 2016 Michigan Rutgers game? Does anybody remember that? 78 to 0. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Michigan over Rutgers, 78 to 0. Let me read you some of these stats, Don. You're, you're going to like this. 600 yards for Michigan in that game, 39 for Rutgers. Well, they were even on turnovers, one apiece. <laughs> okay. Lucky for Rutgers. 23 t- uh, first downs for Michigan, two for Rutgers. Um, Rutgers passing yards. Chris Laviano, one for eight for six yards. Zach Allen, one for 10 for negative one yard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never seen anything like that. Rutgers receiving. They had one receiver who had a reception. Two receivers. It was Jawan and, Harris. And what year again, Corey, was that? Two receptions for five yards. That was 2016. 2016. Wow. But the fact that we have to go to 2016 Rutgers, I mean, that's that was the they were the doorstep of not only the Big Ten but of college football in 2016. Yeah. They, they were worst Power Five teams of all time. Now, what year were we at Wisconsin when we the Desmond King um, pick sixes? What year was that? You mean the Josh Josh Jackson pick sixes? Oh, I'm sorry, Jackson. Yeah, that was 2017. That was the week after the Ohio State blowout. I do remember this vividly. In the middle of the third quarter, we had 14 points. We also had 14 yards of total offense <laughs> at the same exact moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we clearly picked up the pace in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But just remember, for anybody who wants to rip the defense, just remember – that Rutgers put out those types of numbers, and yet they lost by 78. Iowa put out comparable numbers today and lost by 31. I, I don't want to hear a single person blame the defense today. There, <laughs> I looked back. So the four, the four drives in the first half that weren't prompted by an Iowa turnover, we gave up 41 yards in those four drives and no points. The only two drives that gave up points were the punt fumble and the Eric Hall fumble field goal and touchdown. That was it. There was nothing else in the first half. I mean, there Iowa's defense was on the floor, on the field more in the third quarter than Penn State's was in the game. Yeah, 
Iowa's defense was on the on the field for 13 and a half minutes in the third quarter, and that was longer than Penn State's was in the game. Yeah. I mean, that's it was a nightmare in so many ways. They had we, we had more we had more. It was more common for a ball to hit the ground when Iowa had the ball than for a complete a completed pass. We had more fumbles, not obviously including the ones that were recovered by Iowa. We had six fumbles because four of them were recovered by Penn State. Two of them were recovered again by Iowa. So we had six fumbles against uh, five. Was it five completions? You know what's wild. Just real quick, as I say, you know what's wild? All those stats I just gave you about Rutgers, they only lost time of possession in that game, 33-27. to 27. You've always heard me say there's two ways to win time of possession. One way is to let the other team score in no time yeah. at all. Yeah, one, one, way is a, one way is to keep giving up 75-yard bombs. That's one way. One way is good, the other way not so good. How do you only throw for five yards? Unless you're Army. i've seen do that yeah you're one for two for five yards yeah um joshua in the chat thank you for this someone needs to be held accountable it's uh, really very simple whom is responsible for offensive production bf whom is responsible for putting bf in the position he's in kf just saying thank you uh, joshua appreciate the the super chat um and uh jack wants to know don how many times have they thrown more than 10 yards in the last two games. They've taken shots. I mean, up until today, they had been taking shots downfield, and you were complimentary of Iowa's offense for the, through the first three games. Right. So what happened today? Just a, a matter of we just don't – when the when protection breaks down, we just choose not to – Well, to, maybe, maybe the up. fact that it was raining, maybe that had something to do with it. Part of it, I'm sure, was concerned that we didn't have enough time to get receivers that far down the field. I don't know. It's a mystery to me why you wouldn't take some shots. Let's face it, when the score mounted, when it became 17 and then 24, wouldn't you think, what do we got to lose? Let's throw the ball up and see what happens. Also, we haven't addressed the little the little man up in the corner. We're, that arrow is red and going down, and the letters are red, which means well below that this zero point loss this kind of like doesn't this kind of basically cancel out what what you, they did last you week could, you could say it Corey. it's over he's not hitting 25 points it's over i don't know it kind of cancels out that 41 burger last week more than cancels it out yeah i mean it's i don't know uh, how do they reach they better put up a lot of points against two teams michigan state and northwestern yep they better put up, and they better do a lot against. They better do it this week against Michigan State because they're they're really bad defensively. They're yeah. really bad. They may be they're historically bad. What they do today? Then they lose to Maryland by like thirty. Yeah, they got destroyed again. Uh, yeah, they're they're a, they're a disaster. I uh, believe their backup quarterback is injured now too. Yeah, thirty-one to nine. Um, let's see. Yeah, they're a disgrace, Maryland. For the game had uh let's see 362 total yards so i guess total yardage wasn't michigan state had five turnovers in this game i mean that should <sighs> that's a way to bounce back you're going from maybe the best team in the big 10 to probably the worst right back yeah. to back weeks 
and night game on the road versus night game at home. They ought to win in, with flying colors next week, Don. Hopefully. I think that's what's going to happen. You've always heard me say, Corey, that character does matter. You know, our guys were embarrassed today with how the game played. So I have no doubt they're going to show up and give a, a supreme effort next week uh, and take out their frustrations on Michigan State. You, know, you got anything else for us, Kyle? Well, the the only other little things I had was number one, Kirk in the in the post game presser. He said somebody asked him about the the play calling, and he <laughs> his quote back to them was, um, base, I, "I'm I'm not going to quote this word for word, so I know that, but it was essentially um, like we're in the middle of the season. I, like I don't know what you want me to do, change the entire playbook in the middle of the year, and I'm like, you had seven months to do it. Like I'm not, we're not okay. asking." I'll read you. This is per Chad Lysico, the Des Moines Register, and he quoted him on Twitter. This is the quote. Kirk Ferentz on a question about the offense. He said, quote, we're not going to create a new playbook. Is that what you're suggesting? I'm not a wholesale believer in changing just because you had a bad night or a bad game. It was not a good game tonight. I think we made progress in three weeks. Tonight was disappointing. We played a really good football team. We'll keep it in perspective. We'll evaluate things over the course of 12 games. We've got eight to play. We're not just going to start over again in any phase. I I, I had uh, I had we played a good football team on my Kirk Ferentz press conference bingo card tonight. <laughs> the the here's the problem with that comment and why it's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. I mean, one of the main reasons why it's going to rub people the wrong way when you say I'm not a wholesale believer in changing just because you had a bad game. How about a bad uh, How about a bad 2020s decade so far? But, but Kyle, he doesn't believe in making wholesale changes because he had a, a bad game, a bad game. What, yeah, what about a dozen bad games? <laughs> Two dozen. Go ahead, five, five straight bad games. Yeah. So anyways, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to be snarky towards Kirk. It's just that quote is not going to go over well with the fan base. No. Nor should it. They, uh, the, the other things I, I was kind of laughing at. Um, so Penn State's play, uh, 90, was it 90? It was 97 plays tonight, right? Right. That's, uh, that's seven more than LSU ran in their seven overtime game against A&M a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh. They played seven, not, and not, not the new rule. They don't line up for one play in those overtimes. They start at the 25-yard line, and they run at least four plays, right? So they had seven different. I mean, they essentially added probably 30 or 40 plays to their play counter in over on top of regulation, and they still didn't hit uh, Penn State's 97 plays from tonight. Um, yeah, just incredible. The other, uh, the other two things were last four games against ranked opponents. What's, uh, what's the point differential? What do we think? Well, I can tell you. I can just – because I can tell you the last four games. So this one was uh, the loss by 31. What was the Penn State score, Don? Was it 55 or it wasn't 55? 54-10 against Ohio State. 54-10, so there's 44, so that's 75. Uh, And then, let's see, top 25 teams? Yeah. So Michigan would be on that list. They lost by 14? 27-14, I think. A year ago, we scored on the last play of the game, as I recall, to make it maybe 14. Okay, so 13-point differential. So that's, where am I at? 75, 88, and there's one more I'm missing. Who is the fourth? 
Was that last year? Was there were there three last year, or was there just the two? Big Ten championship game. Okay, that was forty-two to forty-two to three, right? Yeah, last thirty-nine. So we're in the hundreds. <laughs> last four uh, games against ranked opponents. Granted, they've all been against really good ranked opponents, but uh, the differential is one hundred and fifty-four to twenty-seven, with an average final score of thirty-eight and a half to six point seven five. So a thirty average of thirty-two and a half points per game loss. Not good. That's what happens when you run up against the good teams and you play like us. Were they all top ten teams? I guess or no. Um, Penn State seventh, Ohio State. Where were they sixth? I think when they, they were all top ten teams. Yeah, they were all top ten. But but still, that's that's just you're getting your pants pulled down over and over again on national television. I mean, this was the first Big Ten CBS game, and we just <laughs> we put our team out there to get curb stomped, like. Yeah. Is embarrassing, and we are uh, we're our, our yardage for our total offense for the year is now at two hundred and forty nine point seven five yards per game. Why is that? Why is that significant, Corey? Two hundred forty seven yards per game. Two forty nine point seven five. Probably because that's near the bottom of the FPS. <laughs> there's a, there's another reason why it's significant. It's because we had two hundred fifty one a game last year. Uh. What's, so we're just a little bit below our. We're, uh, yeah, we're 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 two yards or one zone rush play away from <laughs> away from last year. Let's see. Uh, what are the? We have this updated yet? I'm looking at the it, the 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 FBS stats for week four aren't updated, but when it comes out, we'll be second to last in uh, total offense. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you uh, <laughs> it would be a, it'd be 130th once again or 132nd whatever is it 131 teams i agree with jack that's incredible it's it's like what your text to me during the middle of the game don when you, all you said is incredible yeah. it's not even I just had a- Don, I don't know if it was if you, you probably didn't mean it in this way because you're more of a serious guy than i am in most cases but when you say something like that during a game, like this is incredible, I actually look at it not as like you're you're dumbfounded, you're upset, you're frustrated. No, you're actually past that point. You're looking at it as almost like scientifically a feat of nature. Like, like it's it's incredible. Like, that's what that sounds like. It defies logic. <laughs> the fact that you could have 97 plays, and you you have your opponent has run more plays than you've gained yards that is an incredible feat like this needs to we need to be getting some guinness guinness people in here to re- record this stuff in a book yeah you think that might show up on jeopardy someday <laughs> <laughs> our, our first game our first nationally televised game on cbs turned into a jeopardy question that's just uh so they've gotten just recap the last four times they've been on national television against top 25 teams. They've all been really good teams. Michigan twice, Ohio State, Penn State. They've gotten creamed by like 110. And three of those games are on Fox, and one of the games is on CBS. So yep. uh, obviously they're not playing a top 25 this next week, but we'll see. They might get a, They might get another uh, – if they win the West, Don, they may get another chance at a, a top 10 team later this year. Well, here's, here's, the, here's the interesting thing, too. If you actually go through um... – the rest of the schedule on ESPN. I was just curious because I, I, I keep seeing, you know, Wisconsin got hammered in the first half against Wazoo. 
Minnesota doesn't look good. Nebraska gets drilled. Minnesota, or, um, Northwestern's obviously not very good. ESPN gives Iowa a 66% or greater chance to win every single one of the games left on the schedule except Wisconsin. They'll still win the West, Kyle. And that that 66% chance correlates roughly, based on what I've seen in the past, to about a touchdown favorite, or a little bit less of it, 66 exactly. So they're at least a one-touchdown favorite in every game except Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's remarkable, considering, like, and and they ESPN FBI is – if anything, like they, they would not read a team like Iowa very well because it is numbers based. So they, they're going to put total offense and stuff like that into the calculation. And even given that, they still have Iowa winning like what, nine, nine and a half games or so, somewhere in there. I still believe Iowa will win this division, Don. I still stand by that prediction that I, I made a month ago. I still think they'll win this division. Just, now you realize to do that, we almost absolutely have to beat Wisconsin. Because if they beat us, yeah, but I don't, I don't have really two and a half games behind, not two. I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Wisconsin in general. So they may beat Iowa and Wisconsin at Wisconsin, but I could see them losing somewhere else. This, this is an unpredictable, weird division, Don. This is, yeah. I would agree with you. That. Tell, you're telling me that Wisconsin may not lose to Ohio State at home, uh, they may not lose to Minnesota on the road. They may not lose to Rutgers at home, to Illinois on the road. I could see them dropping any of those games. Like, I just don't trust Wisconsin. I don't trust the other day was um, was theorizing that the winner in the West might have a five and four record. <laughs> uh, I don't think I don't think that'll happen. But I could see where they might think that it would be six and three, maybe. You think we're the laughing stock of the country now? Watch the division winner be five and four in conference play and see what happens on social media. And then get absolutely just creamed in the Big Ten title game. I, well, in, in the meantime, of course, we got three teams in the East that might end up all beating each other. Maybe they all have one loss. Yeah. yeah. That would be crazy. Incidentally, Ohio State won in the last play today, didn't they? Yeah, they did. That was remarkable. And North uh, uh, Notre Dame had ten players on the field for the last two plays of that game. Wow! They didn't have. They didn't even have eleven guys on the field both times. Why? <laughs> uh, Marcus Freeman said they were trying to get another D lineman on, but they didn't want to get penalized. And the, then the reporter like jawed back at him and said, basically, you if even if you did get flagged, they wouldn't have scored. Like you can't score on a flag, so you need to get your eleventh guy in. All that would have done was been half a distance to the goal. Yeah, they were at the they two, at the, so it would have been. No, they were at the one. They were inside the one. At the one, so half a distance to the goal at the one. It would have been a. It would have been a six-inch penalty or something. At some point, yell at your guys to just shove the center to the ground, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right, Don. Yeah. Like if if you were if you were the head coach in that situation and you knew that a penalty wouldn't do anything, but if it would I was the head coach, we'd have eleven players out there. But if that happened and you had ten out there. Would you run out in the field and tackle the ref? Because <laughs> you have you have, the, no. you have thirteen players on the field before you'd have ten, right? Yeah, you would think. <laughs> I that's that was that was crazy. But anyway, well, Kyle, uh, I appreciate it, and uh, you, you're not going to believe this. I still got people here wanting to talk, but uh, <laughs> I, I being here and you guys. I mean, it's. On a night like tonight, but yeah. Thanks for hanging in there with us, Kyle. 
yeah we we appreciate you don we we all do i promise you i know it's uh not always conveyed properly in some of these calls <laughs> but we we do appreciate it thanks kyle thank you and joshua in the chat says do you think the poor o-line plays in part due to the departure of chris doyle don can you we've talked about this before as well it's possible it's possible. I know there are a lot of guys that had long NFL careers that are quick to thank Chris Doyle. I'll say that. Thank you for the super chat, Joshua. And Joey, did Ontario Thompson get in? He was absolutely in there on on pump block duties, uh, just didn't get home. Um, Joe wants to know if the P uh, Penn State punter was kicking the ball at Iowa's gunners, Don. Was that no. a strategic thing? No. I don't think so. Jack says, Coach, I have to ask if you were to fix the offense with its current roster, including defensive players, what would you do to fix it? I feel like we've, we've covered that before, Don. It, you, first of all, you, you got to go back to the, the drawing boards as far as um, your playbook, right? Isn't that where it starts? Or am I wrong on that? Yeah, it sounds like he's asking about it more in terms of personnel. It's too bad. You know, there's no time to switch a, a defensive player over now to the offense, but – it wouldn't be hard to imagine that maybe one more defensive player coming over might help us. And the example, of course, was our uh, our old center was a defensive lineman, right? Before he got moved to center, and right. turned out that was a great move for us. Uh, I don't know who would be the most logical candidate, but you'd think there probably would be one. Let's face it: if you're if you're the ninth defensive lineman. Are you going to get more playing time than if you're the sixth offensive lineman? I would suspect you probably play more, play a bigger role as the sixth offensive lineman, because that means the other five would have to stay healthy for you not to be out there all the time. I want to thank Brad Van Meter and his team down at State Farm. Been talking about him throughout the year. He's sponsoring postgame coverage here from the Hawkeye of the Storm for football and he was with us for basketball last year definitely give him a call for great insurance rates maybe don't call him at 1 30 in the morning but uh, call him monday morning he'll help you out 515-256-6480 that's 515-256-6480 or online at bradvanmeter.com serving up great rates on auto home renters business and life insurance the largest auto insurance company in the country Visit him in, in person at 4229 Fleur Drive in Des Moines and also Iowa Smokehouse. Use the code Hawkeyes for 15% off your order and check out their wonderful variety of snacks from their beef sticks to their uh, beef jerky, uh, their steak bites, even their barbecue sauces and ketchups. Goes good with a good bourbon or whatever you prefer. Maybe it's a beer. Again, shop online at iowasmokehouse.com. You can also follow them at Iowa Smokehouse, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, we appreciate Iowa Smokehouse sponsoring our coverage here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. We're trying to kind of finish this thing up, folks, but Don and I eventually need to go to bed. Uh, let's go to our uh, next caller, Iowa Smokehouse. Call in line. Bobby, welcome to the line uh, to the show, and thank you for waiting. Hello. Can you hear me? I hear you, Bobby. All right. Perfect. Uh, been here for a bit. I told you if I could, I would try to get here to one of the post-game ones. And How long have you been waiting here, Bobby? Um... I don't know. I got here, I think, close to when it started, but I realized <laughs> I was like, there's got to be a lot of people, and I was making dinner, actually. I didn't eat during the game. I was too, 
I don't know, entranced or just couldn't pull my eyes away from, like, the car crash that was the game. But uh, I got home and I was just listening while I was cooking. I was like, I just hope I don't get called in while I'm cooking steak on the stovetop. <laughs> well, I appreciate you waiting around so long and, uh, you know, even at one thirty in the morning. I do appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Um. Well, last time I called in, I don't know if you remember, I asked if there was a loss and you'd either feel better about the rest of the games or feel worse. I personally, after this loss, I don't know if I'd say feel much worse because I feel like Penn State played pretty well. But I think watching, I somehow, some way, I feel worse about the offense in a way. Just... I don't even know how to explain it. It's I knew it wasn't going to be like great, but it it was the it wasn't working, and it just it just never changed throughout the whole game. It just always it just we kept going out there, three and out, three and out, three and out, and I was like, it's you would eventually be like, we're down seventeen, we're down twenty four. Try something at that point. I just watching it. All I could think was. Now the Wisconsin game's scary. Now the Nebraska or Minnesota game are more scary than prior. I didn't know if, like, now, after the loss, are you more scared for any of the game's rest on the season? No. No? I'm not. Because I just right. – no, I'm not. This this offense is really what I thought it was. Um, Am I, am I disgusted by the fact that the offense could do absolutely nothing today? Yeah, I am. But Hobble Cade McNamara, ineptitude with play calling, antiquated schematics, an offensive structure, a playbook that's clearly way too small. You know, there's only so much upward mobility that you're going to have, even with upgrades. Now, right now, the, the, the numbers don't show much of an upgrade. Now, they're averaging 21.3 points per game. If you compare the last, the, the first three games of the season, it's apples to oranges. If you compare the first three games of the season this year, first three games last year, Iowa scored more points. And I think it's clear the offense was is better this year than it was last year, even with this performance. Um, this was a really good Penn State defense. Don, this is a really good Penn State team. Got a chance to be a national title contender. And, you know, if Drew Aller plays as well as he did today, and he has been, they got a chance. Um, so I'll say that. I don't think the West is very good, Bobby. I think they beat Michigan State. I think they beat Northwestern. I think they beat Minnesota. I think they beat Illinois. I think they beat Nebraska. What's left? Rutgers? That'll be a tough game. Rutgers is tough. They battled Michigan for a while today. Wisconsin on the road will be tough, but they're vulnerable. So I, I just uh, no, I, I, th- this is not like this. This result just changed my perspective on the season. I'm incredibly disappointed and disgusted and frustrated, just like everybody else. But man, I, I mean, we've we've seen this before, and you know, as what, what was the old uh, Cardinals coach after the loss to the Bears in the playoffs, uh, Don? They are who we thought they were. Oh we yeah. <laughs> Who was that? Who was that that said that? What was the guy's name? I can't uh, think of his name now. <laughs> but that's kind of what I feel about Iowa. They are who we thought they were, Don. Um, yeah. Well, here's the reality. Because of our our 
good defense or maybe even excellent defense uh, in our superior kicking game, we have a chance against everyone. We have a good chance against everyone. Dennis Green. Was it Dennis Green? Okay. Boy, a lot of people throwing that up in the chat. Uh, does that answer your question, Bobby? Yeah. And the other question I have, I'll try to make it quick. When does – I don't even know how to – when does it get scary or to the point it's like there's no – like obviously Brian's not getting fired midseason. Obviously after the season they're going to look and see – if he's still going to be the offensive coordinator or get moved somewhere else, or if our O-line coach needs change or if Kirk's gone, but like next season we get four teams joining the big 10 that even on like a, on a good day for our offense, I, I don't see us beating them in many situations. It's just next year. It's not going to be, pretty it's gonna probably be worse when does it go from okay let's get a new offense coordinator well now team recruits just watch you do whatever we call our offense for years so they don't want to join you so new offense coordinator has less than brian has like i I think the part like watching it is like how do you dig yourself out of this like rut that's just kind of perpetual? You don't, we don't have receivers or good old line, but like, why would anybody who is good at receiver or O line want to come join whatever we have? Like, is it something you think can be fixed, or is it like next year it's already a lost cause at this point? No, it's not a lost cause. I don't think Kirk's going to be here next year. That's my personal opinion, Bobby. I think this is his last year. Uh, I didn't want to say it. And I, part of me would be like you would think, but at the same time, I thought after last year, Brian was gone, and that didn't happen. And I just, I would, I would hope they could see, like, just wasted potential with the defense and just like everything, like the like. The fans, like, I don't know, at this point, delusional thinking it gets better. I just, watching it, it just, you just hope it doesn't get worse or just can't get better, if that makes sense. It's just, eventually you're going to dig yourself in such a rut that it's just, it's going to be so hard to get out of with, I feel like you see that with a lot of teams. I think, like, Nebraska, they're trying, but, like, you've been bad for these past few years, like, how do you dig yourself out of that? But yeah, if Kirk's gone, I feel like next year would be, I feel like it's going to be ugly. First year coach. We'll see. Yeah. We just don't know what the future is going to hold. A lot of change next year, whether Kirk is here or not. A lot of change at the conference. Oh yeah. All right. I'll let you go get through your calls or go to bed. And uh, uh, if it was me, put Cooper in a quarterback next game. Screw it. Sounds good, Bobby. Thank you, sir. Appreciate Bobby sticking around so long. Let's get to our next caller. Iowa Smokehouse call in line. Eric. Eric, you've been waiting around for a while. Not much, man. How are you? Well, I've uh, I've gotten sober all of a sudden, so you know. Good. good. It's good. Well, well, we've been on here for close to four hours, so uh, yeah. 
Good time. So big thing for me tonight. Iowa had the ball for 14 minutes, 33 seconds. Terrible, yep. but what what got me going is the trenches on both sides of the line. We were not getting any push on the defense at all. We have good players on that on the line. We got Deontay Craig, we got Joe Evans. Um, you know, Kirk was talking up the offensive line during the offseason. We haven't seen that at all. Um, I mean, what's your what's your thoughts on that? I think the defense can get turnovers if the defensive line can actually get a push or a pass rush. We haven't seen that outside of last week's game. And last week we played a not very good Western Michigan team. I thought the defense got a decent push in the first quarter. Um, I felt like as the game went on, they got less of a push. Don, is that fair? Yeah, I think we won some of those battles early on for sure. But we simply were out there too long. Yeah, like I said, I thought uh, I thought Deontay Craig was really good tonight, um, especially early. I, I've been satisfied with what I've seen from Joe Evans. I thought Max Llewellyn, Ethan Herkett, those guys have been a lot better this year so far than what I think a lot of people expected. Um, I'd still like to see more from YA Black. Maybe he's just not that type of a guy, but with his size, Aaron Graves, a little bit underwhelmed with Aaron Graves right now. I don't know if he's getting a lot of double teams, Don. I suspect he's not. But I'd like to see him get in the backfield a little bit more. Are you surprised he hasn't created more havoc for opposing quarterbacks? Yeah, he hasn't shown up as much as you might expect. I don't know how many snaps he's been getting in these games, but <clears throat> hasn't been quite as prominent as you might expect. What, what do you guys think of the offensive line? It seems like uh, pass pro was very good beginning of the year. It was decent today, good last week. It just it seems to be waning as, as, as time goes on. Well, Passpro wasn't good today, uh, that's for certain. No. Really good defensive front for Penn State. I mean, they're yeah, good. Our, our tackles had a long, long day today. In particular, both tackles did. I think our problems were more against the edge rushers than the inside rushers. Although our inside guys, they certainly struggled too. We had penetration, not just off the edge. We had penetration inside too. I felt sorry for Cade because he didn't have much of a chance. Do you guys see Cade uh, trying to press too much, trying to do too much as a whole? I know, you know, Cade is definitely the best quarterback we have on the team. He's far and above better than what we had last year. It just seems like he's pressing a lot, trying to take too much on his shoulders. Don, you see him pressing? Uh, I'm just concerned that he's not not a, nearly 100% healthy. Um, I don't know where he is right now, but you know, the time he ran on the yeah. on the bootleg, that was painful to watch, you know, because he certainly didn't look like he was a healthy football player. Well, that's all I got, guys. I appreciate everything you do. I love watching your show every week. So, Thank you, Eric. Keep good work. Appreciate that, sir. Thanks, Eric. Sweet dreams, Eric. Uh, let's go to our next caller, Micah. We're Iowa Smokehouse calling line. Welcome. Hey, guys. Uh, can you hear me okay? Can you hear you, Micah? Yes. All right. All right. Cool. I was having mic problems earlier, but no, thank you guys. First of all, thank you guys for staying up this long and providing this therapy session for us. Um, I'm over in Denver, Colorado, so it's a little bit earlier over here, but I can't imagine if you guys are, can't imagine, or I uh, can't believe you guys aren't falling asleep on the job over there, but uh, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, I had a couple questions. Um, we talked about, or we've talked kind of, ad nauseum about the wide receivers and the passing game 
And I looked up some statistics, and I, I sent you guys a super chat last week. Um, it was about the last time an Iowa wide receiver led the game for both teams um, in receptions. And you have to go all the way back to Arlen Bruce, the, October the 1st of 2021 against Maryland, uh, six catches, 43 yards. And that's been a, quite a while. <laughs> but I was looking at our overall receptions leader at the wide receiver position going back to 2017. And it's interesting. You see, uh, 2017, Nicky easily led wide receivers with 51 catches, 530 yards, four touchdowns. The next year, it was Nick Easley again, 52 catches. Then Nico R Ragaini uh, in 2019 led with 46 catches. And then you have the COVID year. And in 2021, it was Nico Ragaini again, but with 26 catches. The next year, it was Nico Ragaini again, 34. And this year, Nico Ragaini is on pace for 24 catches, and he's leading the receivers. And so you see, like, I mean, there's a, there's a specific trend downward in terms of how the wide receivers are being utilized. And we've, we've looked at it from an offensive line standpoint. We looked at it from a scheme standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint. But my question to coach is, is there also a defensive coordinator element to this? You mentioned playing Miami back in the Hayden Fry era where they would change their schemes. Uh, they change their scheme from game to game. Do you, do you see anything on the defense from uh, opposing defenses where they're taking away something that we used to get on a regular basis. Because you also look at the type of players that are leading the team and receiving. Nico Regani, Nick Easley, before that was Riley, uh, was it Riley McCarron? Um, it was um, the kind of that shorter, shiftier wide receiver that plays, yeah, the kind of the slot guys. Is there something opposing defenses have been doing since that COVID year that are taking away that uh, some some options that we've normally gone to the bank on, and that's just we haven't made an adjustment yet. Maybe you see better across the board. You see better cornerback play now than you did two or three years ago. We we do have some really outstanding cover corners in the league, and uh, maybe you see more uh, press coverage. Press coverage, of course, is usually. Um, higher risk uh, on the part of the defense, but if you can defend it, of course, you might eliminate any catches at all, uh, you know, versus press coverage. We certainly see some press coverage. We're not, we're not that good. Part of our problem, of course, we don't get, we haven't been able to get great separation from the defenders that were, were on us, whether it was man or zone. You know, the really – the really good receivers are the ones that can scare you deep. Um, I used to use that term a lot, you know. The routes you run, for you to be a really effective underneath receiver, you need to be able to scare the corner deep downfield and, and force him to respect you with cushion. You know, that gives you a better chance, of course, to catch all kinds of underneath throws, all kinds of shorter routes. But it all starts with – being able to scare him deep downfield. If you can't scare him deep downfield, then he's gonna he's gonna crowd you on or near the line of scrimmage, and without much fear of of ever having to pay a price for doing so. So that's why I like to always start off with a guy that a guy like Tim Dwight or a guy like Damon Gibson or a guy like Robert Smith or Quinn Early. 
those guys are all capable of beating you over the top. So you better think long and hard about playing press coverage on those guys because they're, they got such speed and quickness, you know, that they're going to have a good chance to make you pay. Do you see this problem becoming more pronounced next year when we have teams like Washington who hung 45 points on Cal by halftime today and, uh, and Oregon where the defenses out there in those teams are more used to these spread offenses and they have more, more of those uh, corners that can cover. Do you see that problem of our receivers having a hard time getting open, just being even more pronounced as these t- new teams join the league? Yeah, it's not hard to imagine that those four teams in general would be an upgrade over the average cornerbacks. Incidentally, Bill Inge is the defensive coordinator in Washington. Billy played here for us, and I coached with Bill at University of Buffalo some years ago. Outstanding coach. He is their defensive coordinator. Okay, well, thanks. Well, I'll just keep it at that because uh, my frustrations are just, they've been expressed by everybody else today. So I'll leave it at that. You guys have a great night. And I'll, I'll just leave with this. I, if, if we can't hit a home run, you know, coaching hire, if there is a coach, you know, coaching change at the end of the year of some kind, my vote is for, uh, for, for head coaching position. I really like Craig Bowl and Tim Pollock at Wyoming. I really feel like if you can't hit a home run higher, those guys have had such major attrition in their program. It's hard to get someone up to Laramie, but they have done such an incredible job co- just developing and coaching up their players. I think that they would actually be pretty good fits at Iowa. Of course, Tim Pollock was here as the offensive line coach, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. You guys have a great night. Thanks again. Thanks, Micah. All right. Appreciate that. We've got two final callers, Don, and we're, we're okay. Well, three final callers. We're going to run through them fast, though. Iowa Smokehouse call-in line. Let's get back to our line. Not David, not David calling back, is it? <laughs> uh, Jeffrey. Yeah, hi, guys. Can you hear me all right? Welcome, Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, hey, first, uh, just to both of you, I've watched you constantly, and I can't thank you enough for what you do for us as a Hawkeye community. You do a great job. Coach Patterson, uh, thank you for your Army career. Uh, it's cool. I did 24 years in the Air Force, and uh, I got to respect that throughout. I was glad you got back home to see some of the folks uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, congratulations on that. Um, and I, I don't know why I haven't called in. I cannot tell you, Corey, how much I agree. I'm so like-minded with you. It's crazy. Um. I've been saying the same same thing for three years. It's driving me nuts. Uh, I say I'm going to quit watching. That's bull. I'll never quit. I can't give up. Um, I watched you, Don, when you were coaching with Hayden. Dad had season tickets. I heard you talk about Bob Cummins. I lived through that. (laughs) I don't want to go back to that. I don't think we ever will. We got a brand now that can survive. Hayden gave us a brand. Kirk has kept it going. I am like you, Corey. Kirk is a hero to me. But I also want my hero to take off the blinders and open his eyes. I, I sent in the, the the chat. I was the one that said, Don, your career, 79, you came with Fry, with Hayden. Coach, right. you, you, you told, they didn't make you an offensive coordinator in two or three years. You no. earned the position. I look at somebody like 
our defensive coordinator right now, <laughs> graduate assistant, assistant defensive coordinator. I'm, he did 15, 20 years before he ever got handed the reins to a defensive coordinator position. Brian got handed the reins. He's had five years to prove it. He hasn't proved sickum. And and I and I don't want to put you in a bad spot, Coach, because I know you're hand in hand, and I am with you. I have so much respect for Coach Ferentz. It's ridiculous. So that's about. And I know it's getting late. I don't want to keep you guys. Uh, if you got one more left, I'll let you guys uh, critique what I had to say. And it's more. It's more. I. I mean, there's nothing to critique. I just enjoy you guys. Jeffrey, real quick, appreciate you listening. We do. I know I can speak for Don saying we both appreciate hearing that. But I was just also going to say, as it relates to Kirk Ferentz, I do have a lot of admiration for Kirk Ferentz. But I'll just be honest. This is nothing against Kirk personally. If if this means that if if the only options are we continue with this offense as it looks now, whether that's with Brian or with someone else, continue with this offense and continue you know trying to put together seven to nine wins which is going to be harder to do with the changes in the big ten conference in the coming years for sure starting next season or the other option is you lose brian you lose kirk and maybe you lose phil parker <laughs> I, i'm i'm ready for that that I, I if that's if those are the two options i'm ready to enter the next era I'm getting there, Corey, but I don't, it's scary for me. I'm getting there. Um, yes, I know what you're saying. And I, Kirk's not a spring chicken. He's going to be 70 pretty soon. So sooner or later, we got to pull the trigger. As much as none of us want right. to see. It was the same way with Hayden. You Nobody wanted to move on from Hayden. But when a guy's getting close to 70, no offense, Don, I heard you say you're 72. Right. But, you know, I, and I agree with you, Corey. I think I was hoping, and it could still happen. I want Kirk to go out on a good year. I'm hoping we can come through, run the table, or you know whatever it takes. Here's, Send here's, him out on a good year. Here's what. Here's I'm going to go on a limb and say what, what's going to happen, Jeffrey. You remember my preseason prediction? I had Iowa ten and two. Oh yeah, and I agreed. Losses to Wisconsin and Penn State. I stand by yep. that. They'll lose those two games now. The only difference is I predicted that Wisconsin would still lose out in the West to Iowa because I thought Wisconsin would get a couple of Big Ten losses early. Wisconsin looked better last night than I expected them to look. So that's a little bit scary. They may, like Don said earlier, they may have to beat Wisconsin up there on the road now to have a reasonable shot at winning this conference. I think Iowa will win, win 10 games this year, still have a chance to win this West Division title, regardless of the offense. And if that happens, it's a perfect opportunity for Kirk to say, you know what, too many changes. The offense is failing still. He's not going to say that publicly, but the offense is failing. The Brian didn't achieve his mark at 25 points per game. It's an uncomfortable situation. I don't want to be around here with this NIL crap that I yep. don't really like, that I've adjusted to, but I don't like. I don't like the transfer portal. I don't like conference realignment. I don't want to play on the West Coast. I'm serious. It's the perfect opportunity for him to just say, hey, I'm going to win 10 games and go out on top. And he's not really on top, but you get what I'm saying. Oh, exactly. 100%. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. If he wants to yep, stick he's, around, he's, just, he's, he's earned equity with us. You've used that same term, Corey. He, he's gained some equity with what he's done for this 
university. But he's, but he's used that, but he's, yeah, he's used some of that these last couple of years. Agreed. Agreed. The patience of fans. That's yep. not unlimited equity. And like you said, I don't think he's going to do the right thing, which is Brian's got to go. I think we do need better blockers. We need all this. But I'm like you. Who is the offensive coordinator? Who does it come back on? Somebody's got to be held accountable. Somebody's got to stand up and do the right thing. And I don't see Kirk doing it. And, and unless that can happen and Brian moves on with without Kirk moving on, I don't think I mean, it's not going to happen. Yeah. He's, he's, he's that dedicated and he's that loyal yep. that he's not going to say goodbye to his boy. But he's got to do what's best for the program, Jeffrey. I agree. He's got to do what's best yes. for the program. Yes. Yes. And he's done that for the majority of his career at Iowa. For I sure. don't want to see him stop doing what's best for the program because right now I don't feel with the offense he's doing what's best for the program. So. And I don't want his legacy tarnished either for what he's done. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, step out while it's getting good. Thank you, Corey. Yep. Appreciate Thanks, it. Jeffrey. Good stuff, Don. Good calls yeah. even at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning. Our final caller of the night, our Iowa Smokehouse call-in line, is a man decked out from the Hawkeye <laughs> of the Storm gear. It's Tony. 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 So, so I want to say something. Um, I've only been waiting one day on hold. I didn't get I didn't get on until after midnight. So all these other callers that have been waiting two days on hold because of the after midnight. And your camera's doing it again. I know. I Murder. know. I was pissed. Murder. I just need I, I, I need to, I'm just going to break down and buy a new camera. That's that's got to be something wrong with the settings or something. You have to check. Yeah, I I looked into it, and you know the internet just says, "Oh, it's my internet connection." Right, right. Like, there's no way it's my internet connection. No. That that's just another thing. Um, since it's getting late, I want to make sure you guys do have your fantasy football lineup set for tomorrow, in case you don't wake up in time. I'll need to double check. I don't think Don does fantasy football. I do not. Guys, Don, you'd probably be really good at it. I don't know, and I don't want to try. I got my hands full just with analytics. You're going to have your hands full with this week's analytics, that's for sure. Yeah. I, I just have two things, one for Don and one for you, Corey. Yeah. Don, I want to re-ask you a question that you were asked earlier. How can you tell when Iowa has lost the game? I, I, you, I don't think if you remember your answer, I just died laughing because it was with David. And your answer oh. was, when you look up at the scoreboard and the other team, the scoreboard, <laughs> and I just fell off my chair laughing. Yeah, that's, that's pretty definitive. Yeah. Uh, so. Just so you're aware, my, my favorite moment of the night was when uh, Tom Kaker told Don that, that uh, Cade's, Cade, uh, Swore, swore up and down that if they played Penn State again, that he he's confident that Iowa would win. And Don said, "Well, Cade's delusional." <laughs> that was my favorite moment of the night. I'll be honest; I've only been listening since twelve thirty. I was working until midnight, so well, I'll have to go back and listen. watch. Yeah, I have to listen. Yeah, you missed some real nuggets along oh. about ten thirty and eleven. I think I'll, I'll I'll have something to look forward to. That's for sure. Um, this is all going to be archived anyway, right, Corey? We can go <laughs> back and listen again. Absolutely. Uh, the thing I'll close with, and um, Corey, I don't know if you remember, January 1st of this year, we had a post-game basketball show. We just finished a game on the road in Penn State. And I went on record and said, 
we're going to win the next five games. And everyone was down on the basketball team. Wasn't going to happen. We had one game canceled that got made up, and they did end up winning those five games if you counted it in succession. You remember You remember where I'm going. Yeah, and then I remember them losing in the first round. of the They, they do. They do. <laughs> I'm now going on record with another prediction. Okay. okay. After a Penn State road loss. Okay. We will not lose another regular season game. Well, if that happens, not counting that this is not counting the Big Ten Conference Championship. I know, but it means they win at Wisconsin. That yes. means they win. Yep, yep. I've looked Nebraska. at the schedule. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, I I'm not going to say it's impossible because I said before the season I thought it was possible. The offense looks worse than I thought it would be. I can't believe mm-hmm. I'm saying that. But Don Don said earlier, you're never as bad as you think you are. So maybe. And yeah. Coach, remember, Coach Close said the same things. Well, and after because this this was after Eastern Illinois, Penn State, and whatever, because it means basketball and football, two different things. But something that I'm drawing similar parallels to is if we remember during that time, there's something where um, Keegan Chris was missing practice time and the team hadn't quite gelled. Cade had missed practice time earlier before the team started. Maybe it just takes a, a little bit longer. And then maybe finally this gelling happens, and then they're off and running. That's where I'm trying to draw similar parallel. Because, I mean, we were at lowest of lows, if you remember in basketball. We just lost to Eastern Illinois. We just lost, I think, I forget who it was. And then we lost to North or Penn State at Penn State, which is absolutely awful for basketball. And it just seemed like lowest of lows. It seems like I'm getting that vibe here now as well. Well, so. The difference is it's a long basketball season. It's not a long football season. No, it's not. They've only got eight left in the and, conference and the, without, you know, other things. But, go on. but I'm all for what you just said. Wouldn't that be nice? I, I, uh, I'm i less confident in them going on the road and winning at Wisconsin uh, after this weekend than I was a week ago because Wisconsin looked pretty darn good yesterday and Iowa did not look very good today. Well, I shouldn't say that. Don, did maybe, they, maybe I'm being a little hard on Iowa. Did you feel like Iowa looked okay today? I thought our defense was okay. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> the defense was okay. The defense was okay. Special teams had some uncharacteristic blunders. Punting game was fine. Dory Taylor was really good. We never got to see Drew Stevens. Um, but the, the, the special teams will be fine, and defense will be fine moving forward. It's just, again, a matter of with, with the way this offense operates, can the offense stay out of the defense's way? I wish we could have found out about kick returns. Maybe when the score was... 17 or 24 to nothing. I wish we would have tried to return a kick. I just don't understand that. Do you have any explanation as to why you wouldn't at least try when you're All down? All I can think of is Penn State had been really, really good among the best in the conference and covering kicks. I don't know. Maybe we don't think we're very good at blocking, but we've we busted some decent returns already this year. Right? Yeah, and actually, Caden, heading into this game, Don, would you be surprised to know Caden led the Big Ten in average per kickoff return yards? Not very many kicks, though. Not very many kicks, but it just in, in general, there's not many, many guys that mix in for each team, of course. So yeah. smaller sample there, but uh, he's capable and he's he's got speed. Um, yep. What's interesting, too, Don, is ever since he's been used on kick return duty, you know, see, he's not really being used on offense. Right. They were using him on some – sweep action he's he's right. not 
there at all. So I don't. I don't know why we didn't see any flash waves. Maybe we simply didn't think we could get around the ends. I don't know. I mean, that, I'm assuming that they saw something on film that told them those plays would not work. I don't yeah. doubt that that's the case. Now, would you guys I'll close? Would you guys take a day off and not watch the film tomorrow? Because I know you'll both rewatch the game. Will you just give it a day off and then start again on Monday, or when will you guys rewatch the game? I probably will not rewatch it. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to rewatch. I don't plan on rewatching yeah. it. Because some games you, you just flush it and. Yeah. Well, I've got I've got analytics to do on five Big Ten games. I've already done the Friday night game, you know, the Purdue game. Mm-hmm. But I got four games to do from today, and it takes a lot of time to do it. So I just got to turn my attention to that. But Don, are you you're not endorsing the idea of the coaches and the players not watching the film? No, I think I think you can learn from any film. In in rare cases, uh, Hayden might say, "We're going to grade the film, but let's not even show it to the players." That'd be extremely rare, though. Well, maybe maybe a, a game like the offense had. Maybe he'd say, "Don't even show it to them." Yeah, I wonder if that's you know. Like, make the corrections on assignments, but don't show him the video. He might say that. Kirk might say that. It's really a compelling argument. You gain anything or not. You have to correct the mistakes, but I'm just talking about assignment errors. Beyond that, do you really need to show all these plays with a negative outcome? Maybe not. Tony, can I ask you, do you know how many people we had on at peak earlier? Do I get to guess? You can like guess. A, I'll say 515. We had about 1,200. Holy buckets. Between the two channels. my little over the, a Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have the, the voice of the Iowa. And the, yep. I, I will definitely have uh, something to rewatch. It sounds like it was very entertaining. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> Iowa, fans, <laughs> Iowa fans. We got 400 people on, and it's. 2.15 in the morning. I mean, yeah. it's just amazing that Iowa fans are this passionate. And uh, yeah. Don, I think that's part of the reason why you're willing to stay up late with us for all these hours because you appreciate the passion of the fan base. Absolutely. So, Tony. Uh, uh, no, appreciate you guys' time. I'll let you guys get to bed. I got to go to do the same. So, thank you. Sounds good. To all those, Corey, to all those fans that are still with us, uh, just recognize it's never as bad as you might think. Uh, we'll bounce back, you know, because we had character on this football team. <clears throat> and we'll learn from our mistakes. Maybe not as fast as we want to, but we'll learn. And I can't sit here and guarantee we're going to win out, but it's certainly possible. But all we need to do is focus on Michigan State. Yeah. No reason to look ahead. Uh, is it fair to say this should be a confidence-building game? Like, they should go – beat Michigan State. Like this 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 game against Penn State could easily break a team's confidence. If it right. did if it did in any way, they got an opportunity to gain that confidence back under the lights against a team that's given up a lot of points, a lot of yards to team to various teams this year. Like this is an opportunity to regain that confidence. Yeah, exactly. We should be playing like we're on a mission. You know, we should be um be able to think We've got off to a good start, but I'm not letting up, you know, because we have to we have to demonstrate 
great improvement from one Saturday to the next. Modest improvement's not good enough. You know, we need more improvement than that. And maybe we can get that done. I hope so. All right, folks. Appreciate everybody being here, man. Uh, this is a, uh, we've set a record um, over four hours, Don. We're promised we're not going to make this a habit, but uh, this is just such a, I don't even know how to describe this. Obviously it's a, it's been a historical evening for reasons that we wish were not the case. Um, a lot of, a lot of fans are um, seriously concerned, I think. And hopefully our conversation uh, maybe puts them in a better place than where they were. And one final thank you to RTI Threads. I've talked about them. They're supporting the show through sponsorship all year long during the postgame show, proudly carrying the official merchandise and apparel of Hawkeye Star Cooper to Gene at cd3lacesup.com. That's www.cd3lacesup.com. They also have apparel lines for Zach Lutmer, Carson Shire, Aiden Hall, all featured on their NIL roster as it continues to grow. Visit rtithreads.com and... Um, Boy, those those guys uh, cash in on those guys now because those guys have a bright future in the back end of that defense. Again, um, rtithreads.com and cd3lacesup.com for the official apparel and merchandise of Iowa cornerback Cooper DeGene. All right, Don, give me some parting words. Iowa, Michigan State next week um, under the lights in Kinnick. <laughs> uh, it, it's just uh, it's going to be something because they're going to get a game on NBC. We got a game on CBS for the first time in forever. Now we get a game on NBC in the you know for the first time in forever. You know Michigan State struggles their secondary under Mel Tucker's not really been good ever. Um, it was better a couple of years ago with the Peach Bowl, but they've been bad again this year. They got smoked by Washington, got smoked by Maryland. This should be a confidence building game for Iowa. They need it to be a confidence building game for the offense specifically. Hopefully, uh, I mean, you can't expect a big lead at halftime to where you can rest some guys in the second half because they got a lot of work to do. Just give me your overall thoughts on on the Spartans and the Hawks next week. Well, the mentality for sure on offense should be we have to uh, atone ourselves for what we did against Penn State. You know, we have to not be satisfied just with improvement, but we our goal should be marked improvement, significant improvement. Anything short of that, I would hope we would feel would not be good enough. You know, you know, we gotta we gotta gain confidence with how we can play because one week later, correct me if I'm wrong, one week later is Wisconsin. Is that right, Corey? Uh good question. One week after the Michigan State game is Purdue, and then they get Wisconsin after that. That's right. We're at home at home for Purdue. Yep. They get two straight at home. Um and just for the record, uh, Michigan State, I, I've talked about their struggles. They gave up 31 today to Maryland, 41 a week ago to Washington. And those two games are the two games since the Mel Tucker controversy started. And he has since been he, – he's not with the team, right, Don? I mean, I haven't even been yeah. you know, watching that game today. Um, but uh, it sounds like he's done. And so um, – you know, the psyche of that team you wonder about. They've scored a combined 16. They scored a combined 76 points in their first two games. Now, granted, they were against Central Michigan and Richmond. Their last two games, Maryland and Washington, they've scored a combined 16 points and given up the, they've given up 72 in their last two games. So, yeah. 72 to 16, these last two games combined, and they get a road trip to Iowa City. 
uh, for a game under the lights uh, on NBC. And uh, again, Iowa, you've got to get that passing game going against a team with a, a known for having a bad secondary. But man, nothing was working tonight, Don. The run game, the pass game, uh, special teams was you know had its downs, and, and certainly the defense. You're on the field that much; it's it's hard to uh, hard to be successful. So we'll look forward to that next week. Again, uh, Iowa uh, losing tonight to Penn State, uh, thirty-one to zero on CBS. We'll look for better times ahead. And you see the Brian Ferentz points per game tracker, 21.3 points per game as of right now through four games. We'll talk to you later in the week, folks. I'll have coverage for you throughout the weekend um, here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. And thank you, Jeffrey, for becoming a member. Didn't want to forget Jeffrey becoming a member. Thank you for that. We'll talk to everybody very, very soon. Have a great night, and we'll talk to you in the morning.